All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells, as along with special guest host, Brian McPhee, who joins us to help preview the 2021-22 NFL playoffs. We'll talk about the biggest contenders, the biggest threats to them, getting to the Super Bowl, teams who go on unlikely runs. We'll talk about the players and teams under the most pressure to succeed this postseason. We'll also talk about our dream Super Bowl matchups before giving our predictions for the six Super Wildcard Weekend games and, of course, the Super Bowl at the end of this whole thing. We'll also talk about the NFL head coach firings as five teams uh, since Monday have announced that they will be parting ways with their head coaches. They'll have a new face taking over their franchises in 2022. One of those may be a little more surprising than the others. We'll give our thoughts on each of those while also talking about the uh, what we believe are the best and worst head coach openings. From there, we'll talk college football as the national championship game took place on Monday and the Georgia Bulldogs defeated the Alabama Crimson Tide to win the national championship. We'll react to that one before finally counting down our favorite 2000 sitcoms in the top five in somewhat of an ode to the late Bob Saget. So with that, let's get started. today uh, by it's not just one Brian but a second Brian as Brian McAfee is back on as a guest host this episode welcome back Brian thanks Corey how's it going I'm I'm great I'm excited to talk NFL playoffs that's why we brought you on I'm gonna have to figure out how to go about referring to you guys I guess I'll go back to B-Mac and B-Wells yeah just say B-Mac and B-Wells yeah hopefully there's no confusion there uh, we had Brian McAfee on back in August to help us out with our AFC North and NFC North preview. Brian, of course, is a Packers fan, so you know you're you're feeling pretty good with uh, Green Bay being the one seed. You don't have to worry about any playoff games until next weekend. You can just kind of enjoy the action this weekend. But Brian and I uh, both have our teams in the field. The Patriots. Not totally unexpected. They had already clinched off going into week 18, but the, the Steelers was certainly far from a lock. And it took a pretty wild week 18 to get to this point, needing the Jaguars to beat the Colts. And on top of the Steelers beating the Ravens and, of course, Chargers Raiders to not end in a tie. And uh, it was a wild situation for me to be in, that's for sure, just with the way everything played out during the day. So I will say that I went into the day convinced that the Steelers were actually going to make the playoffs and that the Jaguars are actually going to beat the Colts and that Chargers Raiders wouldn't end in a tie. But I was I was certainly having a heart attack multiple times throughout Sunday. Yeah, I didn't. The fact that you actually brought it up 
last episode last week and then for it to actually almost happen was pretty amazing yeah with like the Chargers Raiders going into overtime like with everything else playing out especially yeah, that, the uh, way that they did it too like six fourth down conversions I'm not sure oh I know oh yeah that yeah. that that last two minute drive in the fourth quarter of that Chargers didn't, Raiders game was nuts didn't they score with zero seconds left too yeah they so, did so they completed five fourth downs and yeah, inclu- and then also this wasn't fourth down, but it was the last play of regulation. They needed right. to score on yeah, that which play. I mean, it was like a well fifteen twenty yard from touchdown from Herbert. It was a really good throw. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That that was the definition <laughs> of then, putting your team. And then on to your back. go to overtime and be just like you know the two field goals and the Raiders having no sense of urgency. And so Brian McAfee, you you texted us being like, "How are we feeling?" Especially Corey and I'm just like, "They're not even trying. They're not going to try to score here." And I don't know why they the, did though. After the Chargers kicked the field goal, they were still like throwing it. And there was only like four minutes left. It's like just go. What if you throw a pick six? Just like take the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, Carr had a Carr had a throw that was it, luckily for for him and the Raiders. It was completed. and It was a first down, and it was a good throw. But at like the same time, at the same it time, risky. it was risky. <laughs> like, what if it was a little bit underthrown? The Chargers. A defensive back, whoever that was on that play, certainly could have picked it off and then returned it for a touchdown. Yeah, or even I guess he could have sent him up in field goal range. But I guess the, the narrative for the the tie, it made sense for the Chargers. Win or tie, they were facing the Bills if they made the playoffs. But the Raiders, the difference between a win and just a tie to get in the playoffs yeah. was facing Cincinnati or Kansas City. So. I think there's enough reason for them to want to take their chances, given that they got absolutely destroyed by the Chiefs both time they played them this season. No, that makes perfect sense. So it it makes sense that they were technically still trying, but at the same time, before the Chargers called the timeout, it looked like that they were going to run it. Uh, I don't don't think they were going to knee it, especially in the formation they were were in. But I think that they were going to go for a field goal but instead of a 47-yarder, it probably would have been like a 57-yarder. Yeah, which I don't even know if they would have done that. Like, I'm not sure what they would have See, done. See, I think they would have because yardage. of who they have at kicker. Daniel Carlson. Because Daniel awesome. Carlson has been incredible this year. and they, yeah, he's, like, he's officially my second favorite kicker after Chris Boswell. They wouldn't have uh, cared but, Yeah, I guess missed. what are your thoughts on the, the timeout? Like, so, I mean... It, I think one thing that I've heard is that they were basically like, oh, the Raiders are going to run the ball here. We don't want Kenneth Murray on the field. We want Linval Joseph, a you know 300-something-pound defensive tackle. So to me, it made sense. But I think a lot of people were like, why would Saley do that? He just The Raiders are going to go for the tie there. So in the moment, I thought the timeout was a terrible decision. Now, afterwards, I think the timeout was still not a great decision. However... I don't think it was that bad because he did say, all right, he wants to get the right personnel out there, but he took out a linebacker and added a a safety. Is that correct? No, it was a defensive tackle. Or defensive tackle. Okay. Well, someone to, in theory, stop the run because Murray is not great at it. Well, either way, I I thought the execution on that play was much worse. It was bad. It was was bad. That's what was worse than calling the timeout, at least I think. That's what was worse about that, or the worst. The worst thing about that whole sequence was that the Chargers don't. Yeah. It, uh-huh. it doesn't matter who they have out there in terms of stopping the run. They have the worst run defense in the well, entire league well, on first and second down. Like the Raiders, like it was like lazy play calls. Like they just ran it straight at the center and were like, "All right, just go down." And then as soon as they took the timeout, the Raiders actually had time to like think of a better play. Not that they didn't 
with the 40 seconds before, but like it seemed like it just changed that like their outlook on it because it seemed like the first two, Derek Carr just turned around, handed it off like very in like a lazy way. But this one was yeah. like a legit play call and Chargers got burned for it. And well, they went from running like a draw play out of shotgun to running out of the eye formation. And yeah, I mean, it, it made it much more manageable at that point to move the ball and ultimately 47 yard field goal with Daniel Carlson. You, you're not worried about like a kick short that has like the, the Alabama Auburn iron bowl ending. Of course they could still have a block and something crazy happen there, but they, they felt good enough to kick it. I'm glad that they did. Like I, I'm certainly happy with how that played out because if uh, everything happened with the, the Steelers winning and the Colts losing, but for, you know, it just to come down to a tie in the end, like that would just been so deflating. Yeah. Um, it would have been deflating for you, but for the rest of the country, it would have <laughs> oh, been, been the greatest thing of all time. I was yeah, and I guess I, I've, I've never rooted for a tie more in my entire life than that night. Yeah. <laughs> there was a small part of me that was like, it would be like objectively hilarious if this ended in a tie. But when it came down to it, I was like, it can't end like this. Like after everything to just have these two teams just tie like that um but it it was kind of crazy to me just hearing a lot of people involved with the Steelers like in media and stuff who just wouldn't even acknowledge the idea that this game could end in a tie because the reason why the tie mattered is because the Steelers tied with the Lions earlier this year you think if anyone is fully aware that a tie can happen when you least expect that it would be Steelers fans uh, and it just felt like there were a ton of jinxes, like Adam Schefter being like, oh, it's a 12-point game. Steelers are officially going to the playoffs. Like, what are you doing? What do you mean? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't really take a lot, just a field goal and a couple touchdowns for it to actually be a tie. So Along with a two-point conversion. Yeah, yeah, which the, the Raiders missed a two-point conversion. The Chargers were able to get one. And, uh, yeah, it definitely became pretty scary there at the end. But, you know, ultimately, I'm glad that I at least have a dog in the fight. And it's uh, much more enjoyable talking about the playoffs when you are you have a slim but, you know, non-zero chance than when you're, you're sitting at home just talking about other teams. You got to hope for everybody to get COVID but the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we'll we'll talk about that game eventually, but I guess uh, the, for now, the, let's the, talk. The, well, well, no, I was ahead. just gonna say about Brandon Staley is that people were giving him a lot of crap for the timeout, but I thought the worst thing was him going for it on fourth down at his own eighteen. Oh, from line. like his own twenty. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was the worst decision of everything like that game. Even though people gave him. Rightfully so, given that it was at the end of the game, more crap for the timeout. I thought the, I thought the play on on the second quarter where they went for on fourth down was so much worse because yeah, <laughs> I I like Brandon Staley and I think I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking differently to gain an edge. I think he has a sharp mind. Like I said when we talked about the Chiefs Chargers uh, game when he blew that game, but I just think that he just tries way too hard to be the smartest guy in the room. He just overthinks everything. And and in that game, his, in, his in-game management was just bad. And so I just want to get, I just wanted to mention that because that was a crucial part of that game because the Raiders got a field goal in that game or in that, after that uh, turnover on downs and they won by a field goal. So it actually, yeah. sort oh, of, it was a huge difference. It made a huge difference. Point. And so that, that, that should have also, also uh, get heat. Yeah, I mean, Staley, Staley is addicted to going for fourth downs throughout the season. I don't I don't know what the actual stats are, but it's, I would guess that he went for it more often than any other team. So, uh, you know, they live and die by the fourth down conversion. Obviously, they used it to 
get them back in the game late, but that was certainly a, a big call in a situation they really didn't need to do that. No. So, anyway, uh, all that being said, Brian, your Packers, number one seed in the NFC. They are the favorites, I believe, in the entire NFL uh, to win the Super Bowl. Certainly the favorites in the NFC to advance to the Super Bowl. So the uh, the prompt, I guess we're going to start with you on this one, is who is the biggest threat to stop the Packers from getting to L.A. and Super Bowl 56? You got to go with the Bucks for this one. Considering the way that they played the Bucks last year two times, the first time was horrible, and then the second time... Packers made tons of mistakes. Um, I just feel like you can't count Tom Brady out. I don't think the Bucks are as good of a team as they were last year. Um, but, I mean, the Eagles don't scare me at all. And then Packers beat the 49ers, Rams, and Cardinals. And Rodgers literally never loses to the Cowboys. So, I just feel like you got to go with the Bucs. Um, you don't want to play Brady in the playoffs. Um, they have a decent defense, but pretty banged up in the secondary so Rodgers should be able to do his thing but yeah I don't know Bucks I guess yeah so if it weren't for the Godwin uh, the Godwin injury and the AB insanity <laughs> in week 17 <laughs> of him uh, tapping out of that game if it weren't for those losses I easily would have picked Tampa as the biggest threat and rightfully so after what happened last year when me, uh, Corey, and Ben, we all thought Tampa was the biggest threat last year and many others, I'd imagine. And that came to fruition when they sh- met in the, when them and the Packers met in the NFC Championship game and were able to beat them uh, in that game. And like Brian said, you can't count, count out Tom Brady. But I, I do take those losses seriously to the point where I find it hard for, the Bucks. I don't want. They're not going to lose. I don't think they'll lose to Philly, but I think their chances of winning the divisional round and also poss- likely going to Lambeau and winning, I think their chances are much uh, worse than last year. And so I'm not going to go with Tampa. I'm actually going to go with Dallas as the biggest threat for the Cowboys. Uh, not the Cowboys for the Packers. And I know deep down that. The Cowboys are a pretty undisciplined team. They're first in penalties this season, and they're not the most well-coached team, which, according to Corey and many others, is actually the biggest compliment you could give to Mike McCarthy, is, <laughs> is that he's probably not the best coach in the league. Uh, and you know what? For Dallas, I know deep down, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they imploded wildcard weekend and then just lose to the Niners. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. But the reason why I'm going to go with them is because I do respect their talent on not just offense, but defense, definitely uh, for sure this year. Offensively, this year they were the num- basically the number one ranked offensive line this season. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best running back duos with Zeke and Pollard, even though Zeke has kind of stunk this year. Cooper and Lamb are are definitely great, and Dalton Schultz has had a breakout season. And defensively, I they, of course, have been much, much better, much, much improved this season with Micah Parsons in the first round. He's going to be Defensive Rookie of the Year. Trayvon Diggs, he's going to be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year with TJ Watt and other guys. And I'll admit, part of, part of the reason why I'm picking Dallas is, one, I take 
the injuries on Tampa, especially Godwin, seriously, and uh, everyone else, yeah, I don't love. And the Rams, uh, Stafford keeps declining as the year has gone on. He was much better in the first half of the season than the second half. And so part of it's because I really like, I'm really high on the talent of, of the Cowboys, but it's also because of certain things that are going on with other teams. So, Brian, you were shaking your head as soon as, uh, I guess, BMAC, you were shaking your head as soon as B-Well said Dallas. So, I, I like. I know you just said Rodgers never loses to the Cowboys. Is it as simple as that? Or do you have issues about this specific Cowboys team? No, I don't know. You just, Dak Prescott has been, like, a great, or he's just been horrible this year. I don't trust him to, like, what are they, a three seed? Well, I guess they could. They're the three, yeah. Yeah, they could play the Packers. How early could they play the Packers? Uh, earliest would it, be the conference championship. Yeah, game. It, if, earliest would be the yeah, conference championship. Yeah. I don't think he can play three games that well. Like whether he plays the first two well and then plays the Packers, it's gonna be his bad game against the Packers in the cold, or I don't know what it is. Especially well, Rodgers well, versus best... McCarthy. Like McCarthy's an idiot and Rodgers yeah. is a genius. His 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 best uh <laughs> like they've worked together for like, I don't know, ten, fifteen years, whatever it is, and I definitely trust <laughs> Rogers' brain over McCarthy and for him to know how McCarthy's plays, like what he likes to do. Well, for the record, I also would trust Rogers more than McCarthy. And well, Dak's best game was against Tampa early in Week One. So it, uh, if they, Dak has played great in every playoff game he's ever played in, I'm pretty sure, like like very well. Yeah, I I know, I know deep down that the possibilities for Dallas they vary from I I think they have the a chance to make it to the NFC Championship game, but I also know that they've had struggles this year and they're known to choke in big games, and they certainly could lose to the Niners this, this week. I'm I'm picking them because. I would love to pick Tampa. It'd be they they would be the easy choice. It's just the the losses of the receivers and the, the the defense not being as great as it was last year. I think at some point that's going to catch up to them. It is scary that Dallas has a good offense though cuz Packers defense, I mean, they've been okay like in the middle part of the year they were on fire, but then towards the end of the year they kind of stunk. And um Dallas, like I'm pretty sure they're a number one scoring offense. So, like if they come to play the day they play the Packers, I have no doubt in my mind that the Packers can score easily on the Cowboys. But the this Cowboys probably... could probably score easily on the Packers too. It's like <laughs> this is probably a noisy stat, but last year the Cowboys were dead last versus uh, against the spread. Last year they were five and eleven against the spread. Last year dead last. This year they were first against the spread at 13 and four. And I, it's probably a noisy stat, but I, I it kind of means something when you go from la- very dead last to all the way at the top. Yeah. Green Bay was great at the spread. Um, I mean, they got smoked the first game and then the lions in week 18 doesn't really count. No, it does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so, all yeah. Right. Well, no, I, so I, I, I guess the reason why I asked that, you know, just give your thoughts on Dallas, it's just kind of another team to talk about where you're like, I guess the Bucks because of Tom Brady. And Brian's like, well, Dallas has the most talent, but they're also susceptible to just laying an egg and getting knocked out before they even get to Green Bay, let alone uh, against the Packers, potentially. And I look at teams like the Rams and the Cardinals, and I'm like, are either of those teams really going to go into Lambeau Field, that frozen tundra, and put up a fight, especially when they've been up and down, uh, maybe a little more down than up at times later in the season? 
to me, I think like the answer, one of my favorite things to do is who's the biggest threat to the Packers? It's the Packers themselves. I knew you're gonna Where, say that. Oh, come on. If they <laughs> knew you're gonna to say me, that. the Packers absolutely should go to the Super Bowl. And the biggest thing that would stop them is just, I don't know, coaching mishap, which we saw some of that last year in the NFC championship game. That uh, Scotty Miller touchdown right oh. at the end of the half. Never should have happened. Mike Petton's gone, but you know, something like that, or even just on a fourth down from the eight-yard line, kicking a field goal down eight instead of going for it and uh, never getting the ball back. like that, Those are things to me that that is what's going to stop the Packers because, yes, like their defense has struggled of late down the stretch, but I still think that they're a great defense. And I, I think that in the, these, this situation in January, a lot of these teams aren't built for those success. You have a lot of teams that were built to be flashy and great in September, October, and we've seen it in a lot of these cases where teams that were, you know, started the year six and one, seven and one, five and two, something like that, they've all kind of crumbled down the stretch. And of course, the Bucks have their their issues um, with injuries on both sides of the ball. So yeah, to me, if the Packers don't get there, then I think it's going to be a lot of finger pointing, looking within, and that's the kind of thing that's going to lead to a lot more questions and turmoil surrounding Aaron Rodgers and his future with the franchise. Yeah. Um, one high safety with six seconds left. Like, <laughs> that is the dumbest play call you could ever call. But I don't know. I picked the Bucks, like you said, just because who else is there? They beat the 49ers. The 49ers had the lead. That was the last second, 37, 37 seconds left, zero timeouts. Rodgers brought them to field goal range. But, I mean, I don't want to sound like a biased Packers fan. Maybe I am. But those refs were crazy that game. They wanted the 49ers to win. Even your friend Ben said that when I saw him in Vegas. He said, yeah, I can't even say anything. No, we shouldn't even been in that game. And then the Rams wasn't that good of a game. And then they beat the Cardinals without Devontae Adams on a short week. Like, Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, that was a good win considering that Arizona was undefeated at the time. And yeah. And yeah, the Eagles are the Eagles. Like, are you yeah. really going to be scared about the Eagles? No. <laughs> so, I yeah. don't know. I guess it's between <laughs> Dallas and the Bucks, but I'm more scared of the Bucks. Rightfully so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. They're just based on history. Um, I think that's the, the biggest talking point there. So uh, let's talk about the AFC now. So despite being the number two seed, the Kansas City Chiefs are, by most books, the favorites to advance to the Super Bowl out of the AFC like they've done the past two seasons. So let's kind of go with the same prompt here. Who's the biggest threat to keeping Kansas City home uh, from Super Bowl 56 this year? The right answer is probably Tennessee, especially since they got the bye, but I'm not going to go with Tennessee. I'm going to go with Buffalo as the biggest threat to Kansas City. Like Dallas, they're another team that's pretty undisciplined, but and they also have some bad losses uh, this season, especially against Jacksonville of all teams. They lost to that team, which was crazy. But like Dallas, they're a team that I respect talent-wise on both sides of the ball. They've had the number one, one of the, one of the best defenses this year. They have probably the best safety tandem with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde on their roster. And I think out of the AFC, if I were to rank who the best QB coach combo is, I think Mahomes and Andy Reid are one, but I would say Josh Allen and Sean McDermott would be two in the AFC. And also, if you look at what happened in week five, Buffalo went into Arrowhead and not only did they win that game, but they won pretty convincingly. And I, I, th- I think Buffalo, yes, they've had their struggles 
but I also think that they have the most upside in the AFC out after Kansas City. So I'm going to go with Buffalo. Yeah, I was also thinking that Buffalo um, is the biggest threat personally, but I guess to be different, if the Patriots beat Buffalo, I think the Patriots have a decent chance. I think Belichick's a genius, and Mac Jones is going to be a decent enough game manager to get them through it. I don't think he's going to be the reason that they win, but they have a good defense and just like game managed through the Chiefs. It's hard, easier said than done because the Chiefs are a lot of crazy players, but... Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Patriots. I don't, I don't know that I'm trust the Titans, although they did beat them twenty-seven to three. So the but, the Patriots have like kind of had Patrick Mahomes' number for the most part over the years. I know Kansas City's put up some points, you know, back in 2018. But you remember in that conference championship game, the Patriots had them shut out in the first half, and then when they played in 2020, the Patriots held them to. I think six points. They, they didn't give up a touchdown. Ultimately, Brian Hoyer and Jared Siddham weren't enough to outplay <laughs> Patrick Mahomes in that one. But yeah, they, I think that if the, the Patriots play the Chiefs, they're certainly a threat to them. And Buffalo, they have to be viewed as a threat. You know, last season in the AFC Championship game, I didn't really believe in them. But then they went out and uh, this year beat them in, in week five convincingly, like you said, Brian. And I, I think the reason why I'm not going to go with either of those teams is because I just don't trust what i'm gonna see out of either of them and in this wild card game you know we'll get to that i think that those teams have been both like opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of uh consistency and uh, play on both sides of the ball and i i think that because of that i am gonna go with the tennessee titans who are the number one seed and ultimately the one of the biggest factors for me is that the chiefs are gonna have to go to nashville they're not gonna have the you know, home field advantage they have in Arrowhead, which doesn't necessarily mean everything. They lost some games there this season, including to Buffalo. But ultimately, I think that the Tennessee Titans, when they have Derrick Henry back, when they have A.J. Brown, and even Julio Jones are a much better team than they were most of this season, where everyone kind of dismissed them because they didn't have those playmakers. And uh, I, Tennessee having having the bye, I think, is going to be really helpful in terms of getting some of those guys back. I think that they're a really overlooked team. And, look, they beat the Chiefs 27-3 to this year. A couple of years ago when Patrick Mahomes came off an injury, I think he threw like 400-something yards. But Ryan Tannehill, that was like the birth of uh, him. And uh, the, the Titans beat the Chiefs that year. So... Um, to me, the Titans are the biggest threat to the Chiefs, having to go into Nashville. I, I don't necessarily think that the Titans will win if that were to happen, but I'm not going to just be like, oh, they're not that good. I'm going to overlook them. It, it would not surprise me at all. I've been really really high on the Titans since before the season, and I'm not going to back down at this point, given that they're in this position as the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, and I've been obviously low and I'm not going to back down <laughs> even though they're in the one seed I'm not going to back down on not like I'll be them. in the middle <laughs> uh, I think right. the Bengals I mean the Bengals beat them but that they was a home game and yeah. it was a come from behind game so I don't know if I really think that the Bengals would win but I mean they could you know it's possible there was some questionable calls there that went the Bengals' yeah, way. Yeah, that, that's well. my biggest thing in that one. It felt like the Bengals. And you talked about the the 49ers having the refs on their side back in week three. I think the Bengals game was and maybe it's just uh, you know recency bias, but it felt like that was a game that was like maybe more apparent than others. Um, but yeah, again, having to go to Kansas City is a totally different ball game. I also, I'm not totally sure Joe Burrow's status. I think he should be fine if it gets to that point. But that's certainly something to watch as well. Yeah. 
So I guess that being said, you know, we talked about the biggest sets of those top teams, but let's maybe kind of look to teams that are wild cards that could potentially go on runs. You know, one of those sleeper teams that five through seven seed last year, the Bucks were a five seed entering the playoffs. They ended up not just going to, but winning the Super Bowl. So who's the team that you're looking at that has the best chance of emulating that success? So when the Chargers Raiders game was going on, I was definitely rooting for a tie because, one, I didn't really want the Steelers to be in it. And another reason, of course, was just the comedy of it. But another reason why I was rooting for the tie was because I wanted the Patriots to face the Bengals because I thought it would have been an easier matchup. But thinking about it more, I think the the Patriots facing the Bills could actually be a good thing for the Patriots this week because they're playing on a short week. And they're coming off a bad loss. And I think for them to have a game versus the Bills, I think it could help with the short week and for for their game planning, given that they've already faced them twice. And they're going to face them a third time within the past month, basically. And so I think I think it's a, an intriguing matchup for the Patriots, especially for Bill Belichick facing a team for a third time in a span of a month. And so I think the familiar, familiarity is going to help for this matchup uh, for the Patriots coming off a bad loss. And another thing is this game is going to take place on Saturday, Saturday night. And I took a look at the weather forecast for uh, Buffalo uh, Saturday night, and it's not going to be super windy. They're not going to play in the middle of a tornado again, <laughs> like in, <Yeah. laughs> like in week, week 13 when they could uh-huh. Mac Jones threw the ball three times. But it is going to be single-digit uh, temperature in Buffalo at 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 the uh, time of the snap. Or yeah, I saw what? a high of nine, low of one. Yeah, and the thing is, I think bad weather conditions actually favor New England. Even even though that sounds crazy, since Buffalo is in Buffalo, and Josh Allen not only does he play for the Bills, but he also went to Wyoming. Even though all those, even though he, <laughs> even though he's played in Wyoming and plays for the Bills, I think. It actually, the bad weather favors New England. Uh, I think that was kind of proven in Week 13. Even though this game won't be as as much, won't have as much win. But like I said, I don't think I don't love Josh Allen in you know, bad weather conditions in freezing cold temperatures. Or yeah, freezing cold temperature weather games. Josh Allen has a 50% completion percentage, has 176 passing yards a game, and he has more interceptions than touchdowns. And he also had zero touchdowns and three interceptions versus the Falcons in that game where there was just snow everywhere. And so I don't love the Bills in these bad weather conditions. And and then look, week 16, the Bills, it, it, they, cru- they crushed the Patriots. Not Maybe not on the scoreboard, but I think Josh Allen played as well as he could have. He bas- was Bills basically, never punted in that one. Yeah, he was basically flawless in that game. And I don't think he could repeat what he did in week 16. In, on Saturday night, I'd imagine that the weather conditions will be a factor, but I also th- like to think I'd like to think that even though the Patriots have really struggled over the past month, I'd like to think that they will be able to make adjustments for this game. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think it could be a game that goes down to the wire in a low-scoring matchup. And I think if the Patriots were to beat Buffalo, then I, w- I would definitely take them seriously again. And I was debating between two teams. One was the Patriots and one was the Niners. And the reason why I'm going with the Patriots is 
I think they have a better chance of beating Buffalo and Tennessee than San Fran has of beating Dallas and Green Bay. I think that's a much taller task for San Francisco. So I'm going to go with New England as the team that I think has the best the best chance of the five through seven seeds as the be- uh, the team that has the best chance of making a Super Bowl run. We got a little bit of a preview of your analysis on that game later. That's a very roundabout way to get to it, but I mean, that totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, about, what are your thoughts, B-Mac? Um, I was also going to go with the Patriots, actually, so I'll just touch them real quick and then pick somebody else. But um, yeah, if they were able to beat Buffalo, they, they're familiar with them. They played them twice already, and then they go on to Tennessee, most likely, can, assuming that the Steelers don't win. Sorry, Corey. Um I was at the Patriots versus Titans game, and I mean that was a joke. They I was smoked. at that game too. That was yeah, yeah it was a blowout. It was like an easy Titans win. Also, also, no AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, or Julio Jones. I don't, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I really don't think that they were gonna do anything with anybody out there. The Titans, they just look bad, and the Patriots are scoring like easily. Like they scored what forty-two points, I think. I think it was thirty-six to thirteen. Yeah. yeah well, uh, all right, but either yeah, way, with a I lot mean, of that going away. They had like big plays, which they've never had before, really, with Mac Jones up to that point. Um, you remember like Bourne uh, tiptoeing up the sideline? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. They could they could beat the Bills potentially. I think I, the I Bills. Think, are I think they good, have a but... chance versus Buffalo, but I'll admit I I don't love how the Patriots have played this past month. I mean, they, they've lost three of their last four games, and their one win was against Jacksonville, which is basically a high school team. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> at least they beat them fifty. Yeah, they beat them fifty to ten, but it's like the worst team 10. in the league. I, I don't like. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Mac Jones has Colts, six, so. Mac Jones has six touchdown passes, uh, in eight road games this year, and sixteen of them at home. And so, I don't lo- I don't love how Mac Jones has performed on the road this year. And then now it, the game's gonna be in Buffalo, and even though I think they have a chance in this game, Mac Jones threw three times <laughs> in the in the first uh, the the first matchup when it was at Buffalo and. If they're gonna win game, yeah. If when Harris is on, he scores three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. If if they're gonna, I personally, I think if if the Patriots want to beat Buffalo, I think Mac Jones needs to be a bigger factor in in this game than he was in that game. Which which is not saying much because again, he only threw three passes. All right. Well, I guess to be a little different, though, I guess I'll go with the Cardinals because they recently beat the Rams and. that game with Green Bay was very close. So, assuming the Niners and Eagles both lose and they go on to Green Bay, they could win. I don't really think so. An Arizona team going to Green Bay in uh, January doesn't sound like a great plan for success, especially when considering the Packers are down their best offensive player for that game behind Aaron Rodgers. And, um, yeah, but the Packers' defense played very well um, in that game. Only held them to 21 points, and Rashul Douglas came up with the game-winning interception in the end zone. But, yeah, if the Cardinals um, still played them close and had a very good opportunity to win at the end, I'm pretty sure Hopkins was hurt for that game, too. So I guess that's not going to change anything. But, yeah, Kyler Murray being mobile, it's not good for the Packers' defense. You know, a lot of people said there's no way that Michael Vick and the Falcons could go into Lambeau and win back in 2002, and they won 27 to seven. So, uh, certainly, like there are times where you can, I think it's easy to say that like these like warm weather teams can't go 
into cold climates in January. And I think a lot of times it's proven, but there's certainly some exceptions, but I just can't get it through my head. Uh, you know, I think on paper, the Cardinals seem like the best of the wild card teams, but I'm going to go with the Niners here partially to be a little different uh, because I think that I was between them and the Patriots. I kind of had a feeling one of you would go with New England. But I think my biggest thing for San Francisco is uh, I just, they have the biggest X factor in football, Debo Samuel. And I think that he's someone who's been incredible this season. They, they have a healthy George Kittle. They can run the ball. I know there are questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's coming off a huge win, a big game-winning drive against the Rams. And ultimately, I like their chances the best of going into Lambeau and pulling out a win. Uh, you know, Realistically, that's going to be a tough one, but I think that this is a team where we saw them go to the Super Bowl a few years ago, and you know they've dealt with injuries. They haven't been the full team the past couple seasons that we saw. You know that you know went on that big run, went thirteen and three as a one seed a couple years ago. But I'm going to go with them. Uh, you know, part of it is also just having that experience. You know, some of those guys have been there before, and yeah, uh, it doesn't really matter who's playing running back for them. They're able to to move the ball uh, with a lot of those guys. So yeah, see, I was going to touch on the run game for them. That needs to be great for them because jimmy needs to be carried by his running backs he can't really do it himself i i mostly agree i I mostly agree with that but garoppolo he was excellent in that game versus the rams uh yeah oh he's had a lot of great moments i don't necessarily think that he he, he's useless out there you know jimmy stinks he has his his moments where he's able to come up in the clutch. It's just, you know, the rest of the team needs to keep him in that situation. He's not someone who I think is going to win these games on the road playing from behind. I was amazed by that, too, because he was also also dealing with a thumb sprain. It's like, yeah, Jimmy, know, Jimmy Garoppolo, pain tolerance coming through <laughs> in the clutch? When is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> new, new, new year, new me for Jimmy G. He gets a paper yeah. cut and he's <laughs> out for three weeks. <laughs> No, but um, yeah, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy did nothing when they played in the NFC Championship two oh, years yeah, ago. For like eight times, <laughs> and most had like, like two hundred and fifty rushing yards in the first quarter against the Packers. So we'll see if they can do that again. Then they have a great yeah. chance. <laughs> I know that that's probably their <laughs> their best best hope is uh, if they're able to repeat that performance. But yeah, I mean, it, ultimately, I don't think any wildcard teams are going to the playoffs but there's, there's certainly a you few don't think any wildcard team is going to the playoffs scenario. sorry going to the super bowl but <laughs> there are a few that you can envision it happening <laughs> i'm just gonna let that slide brian come on oh, i'm sorry <laughs> no it's okay i'm glad I, I would be i'd be listening back and be like oh man what am i saying uh all right so i guess the next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna focus on teams and players that are under the most pressure to succeed this postseason so let's go ahead and start with teams like we've been talking about and we'll we'll focus on that one first so uh thanks be well as you look ready to go yeah so for the team that i'm going to say has the most pressure on them i'll, I'll admit it's, it's it's not the first choice but it's the second one because the first one's a little bit too obvious the second team i think has the most pressure on them for them to succeed is the LA Rams. I think after this past offseason with how much they gave up to get Matthew Stafford and then when we did our divisional preview for the West I talked about how how much they gave up to get Goff back in 2016 and then they traded Goff in a bunch with a bunch of other picks to get Stafford and when you add it all up they gave up like eight or nine draft picks to get Matthew Stafford and so they're they're relying on him to perform and get him over the hump and 
uh, getting to a Super Bowl, especially since it's going to be in L.A. this year. And uh, I I don't know if I love the Rams' chances. And it's very likely that they beat Arizona and they meet Green Bay again at Lambeau Field. And that would end up being the exact same result as last year, losing versus Green Bay in the divisional round. So if that were to happen again, but with, with a different quarterback, with all, everything they gave up to get Stafford, that would be semi-catastrophic kind of, for, yeah, for LA. Pretty disastrous. Yeah, yeah. To to improve at the... Yes, they got a much better quarterback, but to just end up with the exact same... Literally the exact same re- result would be... That would be a disaster. So I'm going to go with the LA Rams as my choice. Be, um, there is one... Again, one really, really obvious team, though. Um, so I, just, I disagree <laughs> in terms of there being an obvious team. I think there are a lot I of good choices know. here. But I was looking at the teams. I mean... It's Green Bay. Yeah, that yeah. There is so much. Like Rogers has to win. He has to because he's one of the all-time greats with one Super Bowl. Like that's a shame. And uh, aside from him and his legacy, like they are screwed with the cap space next year. Like he might not come back. They might not be able to afford Devontae Adams. Like they're gonna need to cut like Zadaria Smith. They're going to cut Crosby. Not that he's been playing great, but like they're just going to need to cut a lot of veteran guys And if they want to bring Adams and Rodgers back because um, they need Adams and Rodgers specifically to be relevant. Jordan Love's not going to do it. Um, but given the Packers and Rodgers specifically playoff success in the last 10 years of them losing, what, four, five NFC championships, like they have so a much lot. pressure to win. Yeah, yeah so they the have Packers... So much pressure. The Packers were number one with a bullet. Right. I just decided to go with a different yeah. team because no, no yeah, I mean, the, Ram, the Rams are a good pick. I mean, the Rams yeah. went to Green Bay and lost earlier this year, so yeah. Um, no, and that, that's year. fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the Packers do seem like the the right choice here for all those reasons. I guess I think that there are more teams that are under pressure this year. Uh, so I guess I kind of go with the same thing Brian did and pick someone else. How about the Dallas Cowboys, I think particularly their head coach Mike McCarthy. But I think a lot of it is, you know, like him and his uh, his tenure is part of it. But the Cowboys haven't been to the NFC Championship game, let alone in the our Super lifetimes. Bowl since 1996, <laughs> right? I mean, I think we were technically one oh, years old the okay, last time they mind. went. Yeah. So to me, I mean, this is a Cowboys team that so many people were hyping up all year, and they we we've seen in the past three weeks they they put up 56 points against a Washington football team that's dead to rights. You know, they're fighting each other in the first half and uh, 51 points against uh, Gardner Minshew and the Eagles backups. But then they have a dud against the Cardinals, seven points through three quarters. They end up making it close in the end, had a chance. But this is a team that's been so inconsistent that I think if they come out and they fall flat and they lose to the Niners in round one, then that's that's going to have so many questions and so many doubts about this team moving forward. Um, you know, they have an opportunity to go back to Tampa where they barely lost in week one, and that was against a healthy Bucks team. The Bucks are they're much more beat up at this point. They're they're gonna be missing a lot of guys we've talked about. So uh, to me, I think the Cowboys getting to the NFC championship game, I don't wanna say they absolutely have to, but there's a there's gonna be a lot of questions for them. You know, obviously the Packers going to the Super Bowl, it's like that's bigger than just the NFC championship game, but I, I do think the Cowboys are under a ton of pressure and a lot of it is kinda Mike McCarthy, you know, prove to yourself, you know, prove to everyone that you're not just a, a figurehead coach who gets wins with a great roster, that you can actually have some success in the playoffs without Aaron Rodgers. Well, is it year two for him, though, in Dallas? It is year two. 
Yeah, so I mean, at least in Dallas, he's not like win or get out. Like he doesn't have I that mean, pressure on him. I don't know, Jerry really? Jones. I don't know. I mean, there's been a there've been a lot of questionable situations with him, and I think they've won enough to maybe overlook it at times. But I, it wouldn't be surprising, especially with both Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, the two coordinators, being hot coaching candidates. If uh, Dallas flames out in the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jerry Jones kind of keeps one of those guys around by making them the head coach. So one for sure for me was Green Bay. Second for me was the LA Rams. Third on my list, though, is Bill Belichick and the New England <laughs> See, Patriots. I was wondering what coach you were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, Bill Belichick, because last year you went 7-9, and nine and Tom Brady goes to Tampa, and he wins a Super Bowl. Very first year, he's not in New England. He wins a Super Bowl. And so there was a lot of pressure for him to – Rebuild the roster, and he spent a hundred over what one hundred eighty million to rebuild the a roster. Lot. Yeah, and a lot in free agency. Some of the guys that they have gotten have definitely have proven to work out, like Matthew Judon and Hunter Henry, and they also got some great draft picks in Mac Jones and Christian Barmore, and so they've had a they've had a successful season given how last year went, and they went 10 and seven, and they're back in the playoffs, but. Would it really be a successful season if they just lose? They're just one and done after spending all that money to rebound from uh, what was a bad seven and nine season last year. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I can call it a successful season if they just get bounced in the especially first when you get all these comparisons to the two thousand one team. That oh yeah, which was so annoying. Yeah, I think they're more like the two thousand nineteen team, where I don't know if you remember, but they were they got off to a hot start. I think they were eight and zero. And yeah, then they started, all, they started eight and zero, which is great. But they were being up on these all these crap teams, and then all of a sudden they started playing some better competition, and they were four, four, four and four down the stretch, and then they lose to Tennessee in their first playoff game. And I think there's a little bit of similarities in that where they had the seven game win streak, but you can look back on the seven games, and not all of them, but mostly all of them were against pretty bad competition, and the defense was just pouncing on. Not so yeah, not so great teams, and now that they faced some pretty good ones in Buffalo and Indianapolis, I know they just choked versus Jacksonville, but they were in the playoffs, uh, in the playoff picture for for a good chunk of the end, second half of the season, and they also lost to Miami. I know they were out of the playoff picture, but that that just makes it even worse because they had nothing to play for, and New England sort of did, and they ended up losing to them. Uh, th- yeah, especially th- coming out flat like that. Yeah, being down what seventeen nothing. Like they quickly. always do poorly in Miami. They though. do. Oh, they all, Miami. always. They always <laughs> suck something in Miami. About it. I think Belichick with the Patriots is like nine and thirteen at Miami. Yeah, something which absurd. is weird. Yeah. it's weird. Yeah, no, I I think as long as the Patriots play at least a close game against the Bills, like that's a good respectable team. Like the Bills could very well win the whole thing. You know what I mean? So it's like as long as the Patriots play a good game, and if they were to lose. I don't think you can be like, all right, Bill, you maybe were carried the whole time because, you know, Mac Jones is still very young. Bill will eventually need to do something like in the near future, but I don't know if it has to be this year specifically. Yeah, I guess that's my somewhat argument. I think there's a lot of things you can point to, like the fact that the Patriots had they had somewhat they, expectations, they had but like the, most people, I think, predicted them to barely miss the playoffs instead of barely yeah, make I, the I playoffs, had them especially with a rookie quarterback. I had them 10-7 and seven missing the playoffs, which obviously didn't come true because 10-7 was good enough to make it, but yeah, 
they were a one seed a month ago. No, that's, I, that's, I do that's agree. The like thing. there is pressure on them. Like I think that they absolutely should be up there. Like I think it's it's very much worth talking about, especially when you talk about like okay, yeah, coming in the season, the, the ex- expectations weren't there, the but expect- they were built up during the, the season. Expect- so there, there's certainly pressure there. Yeah, exactly. The expectations in the beginning of the season were they were they were fair. They were get into the playoffs as a wild card uh, with Buffalo winning the division, which is which was fine, but. Week 13 after being Buffalo in that game, and they were at the one seed, the expectations were were higher. And then all yeah, of a sudden, they, the they come out flat in the month of December. And I don't know. I just, it feel, it personally feel disappointing if they just go one and done after spending as much money as they did this offseason. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I agree with BMAC and the thought that next year, the pressure is going to be even higher. Um, but I mean, you could almost say the same thing about Dallas where they were kind of in a similar situation where people are like, yeah, they'll probably win a terrible NFC East, but the fact that they're a Super Bowl contender, if they, they fall flat in the playoffs, you're like, all right, when is things, when are things going to change? You can maybe say, say the same, same thing about the Patriots, uh, even though they are a six seed going on the road and, you know, just a 10 win team. All right. So I guess let's talk about which players we think are under the most pressure. So Brian McAfee, do you want to start this one? You know, B-Wells has been going first for a while now. <laughs> um, Player-wise, yeah, I can't keep talking about the Packers. So I guess I'll go with Big Ben. Because, you yeah. know, he wants to, yeah, I don't know about pressure, but, like, he wants to win um, for his last year, potential last year. But um, I think I think it would be really cool if he was able to do it. I think just the pressure of, like, if he actually got to the Super Bowl, be like, oh, crap, like, I got to do this now or I'm never going to have another opportunity again. Um, when you're looking at all the other teams, I mean, Brady has pressure every year to win, but he wins every year. So I don't know <laughs> if you can really count that as pressure anymore. But um, Yeah, or- part of me thinks that the Bucks. I, I, well, it'd be bad if he lost to Philly, but... I don't know if they lose. They they won last year, so part of me, I don't. I don't. That's what I think. There's not a ton of pressure. I think right, the expectations yeah. are lower. Yeah, they go one and done. People injuries. will be like, "Oh well, AB left like a crazy person. Godwin got hurt. Fournette's been banged yeah, up. Their whole secondary excuses for why he didn't win than right. people, um, you know, getting going after him for not winning. Yeah, I mean, my real pick, the most pressure player, would be Rodgers, but uh, Stafford is another guy. I mean. He's got to win. He's done nothing with the Lions. Yeah, ever. he has zero, yeah. zero playoff wins. Yeah, and he's been a good quarterback his whole career. You know, he's, he's just been with a ton the, of yards. Just yeah, been with just the crappy Lions his entire career. Bad but team. But now, so. now he has a good team, and so that, that, yeah, now he doesn't have the excuse of like, oh, my team stinks. Like he's actually got a chance to do something. So yeah, so like I told Corey, I had one team, one coach, one player. The team. I pick was the Rams. The coach I pick was Bill, and the player I picked, which Brian uh, was going to touch on, but like he said, he's going on with the Packers too much, and so I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers. Definitely, uh, he is a three-time MVP. Very likely going to be a four-time MVP and repeat uh, as a repeat MVP winner. And now it's all about trying to win a Super Bowl. And he has—he only has one Super Bowl, even though he's had all the success in his career. Now it's time to actually win again. And so, Aaron Rodgers is easy, the easy answer for player with the most pressure. Especially because they are—I mean, in my bias, it could be opinion, his last year too. Pretty clearly, the one 
seed. Like, like they yeah. are pretty clearly yeah. above they, everybody they else. Did. I mean, that's it, why I said that it, the Packers are the biggest threats to themselves. Yeah, it, yeah. it could, it could, it could easily be his last season in Green Bay. There are certainly rumors about him going to Denver or Miami or whatever. Like, just name the team. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, he's coming back, hundred percent. Yeah, I guess I think um, because. You know, I think the Packers as an organization are under a little more pressure than Aaron Rodgers. Of course, Rodgers has his his naysayers and stuff. Um, you know, his Hall of Fame career is more built on stats and playoff wins at this point and, you know, Super Bowls and stuff. Um, not to say that he isn't totally up there. Again, Matt Stafford is another one who I think totally should be up there. But I don't know if one season I'm ready to say just because he's had such limited playoff experience. And I think the Rams are going in with lower expectations than a lot of people expected them to be, you know, back in September. Uh, so I guess one guy I'll throw out there that I think is under a ton of pressure to succeed in the playoffs because things could really go sour if he doesn't in terms of his career is Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's someone who's played well enough this year to have people believe, oh, he could be the starter, like he deserves his chances in Philly. But if he comes out, like even against a box team, that's a really good defense. If he comes out and looks terrible in that game um, in a national spotlight, then that could be the nail in the coffin in terms of him having a chance to be a starting quarterback with the Eagles next year. And then who knows what his career goes to at that point. Um, you know, I think if he comes out and plays really well, even in a loss, you saw Taylor Heineke, even in a loss last year, it gave him an opportunity to be the guy for Washington this year. So, um, you know, it's, it's not the, the highest of stakes compared to some of these other guys where you're just talking about this could be the, you know, life or death on his career. Uh, if he really comes out and doesn't play well, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts here. Thought about Jimmy Garoppolo in this situation as well, but feels like the Niners are going to Trey Lance. They almost have to next year, so... I guess whether his market is good or bad is more of an issue for the Niners than for Jimmy Garoppolo himself. So, um, but those are like, two guys just because they're, you know, they're in a lot of uncertainty in whether or not they'll have a job next year. I feel like the 49ers just aren't as quarterback reliant as some of these other teams as well. Cause it's like, if mm-hmm. Jimmy just does okay and the Niners lose, like nobody's going to be mad at him really. It's like, that's what he expects to do every week is just be okay. Yeah, but if he comes out, he's throwing interceptions and right, you know, they're yeah. getting killed by Dallas. He doesn't give him a chance to win. If Trey Lance ends up coming in, like then yeah, that's that's really bad. And at that point, it's like, well, I mean, what what is he playing for right now? Yeah, like, who's going to pick difference? him up? Like he kind of yeah. needs to do well. If uh, week this, eight, like if they go to Lance, like he's got to at least play decent enough to go somewhere else. Week eighteen, he was kind of playing for his future with. San Francisco, which I know, yeah. like what Corey said, they probably will will go to Lance next season. But what if Lance isn't ready? Even though it's it's over a year at that point, what if what if he's not ready and they actually do need to have Garoppolo? In they give up so much. For I know, him, I which is like why I'm surprised that to... he he only played what two games this year or started only two games this year. Yeah, which only because of Garoppolo, and only because of injury. Yeah, yeah, and I guess like if. I, I think that Jimmy has enough trade value that someone is going to trade for him and it's out of his hands. Obviously, if he's released, then his he has a lot of financial sacrifices. And I guess at that point, the pressure comes in. I guess I was just thinking more of the mindset that, okay, someone's going to trade a third-round pick and he's just going to play somewhere else, which is why I put him below Jalen Hurts, who could be like just a career backup uh, if uh, the Eagles decide to move on from him. I, feel I, like- I, I think Jalen Hurts has been good enough this year 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. Which, but I think again, if he struggles in the playoffs, like that could be the the difference at that point. Especially if uh, you know Russell Wilson becomes open or Deshaun Watson. Like I think the Eagles would be all over one of those guys. I don't know if the Eagles are ready to give up on him though. I mean, Hurts has only played this one year, and then like the last four or five games of last year. Yeah, I mean, I I think the the so I guess my thought is that Jalen Hurts has played well enough to keep his job, but he hasn't played well enough to be like, oh, he the is long term quarterback. Yes, and I that, think that's yeah. what the issue is. That I mean, makes... Tim Tebow won the Broncos a playoff game, right. and then they signed Peyton Manning two months later. So, so Hurts has that... bought some time, is what you're saying, but he hasn't bought that much time. Yeah, yeah, that which is why I'm I'm just looking at the immediate pressure on him. Uh, which I don't know if it's totally fair. You know, having to go I don't think it's Tim fair, but, but uh-huh. I could see it happening. If he were yeah. to suck. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and I, I don't think that Lance needs to be too ready to come in and replace Jimmy because, like, it's not like he's replacing Tom Brady. Like, he's he's replacing mm-hmm. a mediocre quarterback. Like, he could be only okay. And then, like, like you it's said, you know, the they're able to least. win without Jimmy being, like, a superstar. So, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, reason to believe that as long as Lance doesn't do anything to hurt the team, he just has to be good enough, make enough plays can just do QB reads every single play and be good. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, kind of move on now and talk about dream Super Bowl matchups. So, BMAC, who do you hope the Packers play in the Super Bowl? The Steelers, because they stink. <laughs> 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 They're the worst team in the AFC, so yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, my dream matchup would be Packers-Steelers, but to be different, I will go... Um, Bengals and Eagles, just because who would see that coming? <laughs> like the Bengals and the Eagles, or the Bengals and the Cardinals would be great too. Just something different, like two totally random teams. When I think of the Super Bowl, I'm not thinking that the Bengals and the Cardinals are, or the Eagles are going to be there, even though the Eagles did win not too long ago. But just so like knowing you would, you would want to happen. If it's not the Packers, just have two random teams. Yeah, just two random yeah. teams. I don't want to watch yeah, the Chiefs totally again. Fair. I don't necessarily like the Bills. Um, All my friends are Patriots fans, so I don't want to see them win. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, the Bengals and Eagles would be great to see. I'd be happy watching that game. Watch Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts go at it. Like it'd be very interesting. It'd be different, you know, because like um, Brady, Manning, uh, Roethlisberger. They've all dominated the Super Bowl. You see one great quarterback at least every single yeah, I mean, year. Yeah, there's a huge stretch where it was like the AFC representative was one of those three guys almost right. every single year with the one. And now it's Mahomes, who's also yeah. like, uh, you know, so it would be great to just see two totally random teams out there going at it. But uh, State Farm Bowl one, <laughs> Mahomes versus Rogers. <laughs> yeah, instead of calling it the, no. I mean, that, of calling the Super Bowl, you call it the State Farm Bowl. <laughs> well, they they haven't faced each other either because the past yeah because they faced the Chiefs uh, and Packers Mahomes have faced each other twice, but Mahomes was hurt for the first one, and then Rogers had COVID for the second one, and so yeah. they actually te- those two haven't technically faced each other yet. So yeah, State Farm yeah. Bowl would be pretty cool. Uh, Patriots Bucks would be a dream for a lot of people, but it'd be a nightmare for me personally. I would absolutely yeah, hate that. it'd be a nightmare for me as well. I would... <laughs> <For> totally <laughs> <Yeah>. opposite reason. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Like, I didn't expect you to say that. To like, I don't. I don't know why any Patriots fan would want to face Brady no. in the Super Bowl. Like, no. why you would want? God that no, to I would not want that at all. But, I would be, like but the it would Packers be. I think it would be Chiefs. cool for. I think most people would think it's cool, but I, I personally Yeah, I mean, if it. you don't have a rooting interest, it'd be the highest-watched Super Bowl ever. Yeah. Uh, and then 
looking at other random teams, Cowboys, Bengals, two high-flying offenses. Uh, Burrow's a stud. Dak is obviously a great quarterback as well. Uh, yeah, just two two really, really great offenses. Uh, so Bengals and Cowboys, that'd be pretty cool. I guess I need Super Bowl with the Cowboys in it. Just beca- not, not that I love the Cowboys or anything, but <laughs> I, 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 they haven't made the NFC Championship. Not, alone, not only the Super Bowl, they haven't made the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game Okay, they did in '96, so I guess they yeah, technically had. Yeah, yeah, so they made it in me and Corey's lifetimes. But I think it might have been '97, but yeah, it's. I mean, we were very young. Yeah, so when it happened, so that sort of doesn't even count. And so, for them to make it to the Super Bowl would be nuts for America, since they're America's team and there are Cowboys fans everywhere. Yeah, and so any matchup with them in it, so like Cowboys Chiefs, that would be a very highly rated matchup. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, hopefully a little more exciting than the thirteen and nine showing back in November. Oh right, wow, that, yeah, that was a brutal game. <laughs> yeah, felt like the easiest over ever. Yeah, I'm gonna change my Packers pick from the Steelers to the Patriots, just because yeah. I have way more people that I can make fun of when the Packers destroy <laughs> the Patriots. Uh, I can only talk be, to you and Tyler if they beat the Steelers, you know, if the and like Steelers that gets old Bowl, quickly. Then... Who yeah, exactly. Like, it would be like, oh, we shouldn't even been there. <laughs> but like, uh, actually, the Chiefs too, though. I went to college in Kansas, so I don't yeah, know a lot of people. Probably know a lot of Chiefs fans. Yeah. The crap time. Just who? I want the AFC. Who can I talk the most crap about to my yeah. friends? That's who I want to yeah, play the back. Pa- Packers, fair. Packers, Patriots. It just would not be as interesting now than it would have been when Brady was there. Yeah, so right. Brady versus Rogers in a Super Bowl, but now it's like. Okay, great. Packers versus away. Mac Jones. <laughs> Shout out Brandon Bostick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess if I don't know, I guess Steelers Eagles, but like I, I don't know if there's a scenario where I'm like, oh, I would want it to be like this bad NFC team. I, I think I would almost rather be Steelers Packers. Like if the Steelers get there, it'd be cool for Big Ben to have that rematch. Um, you know, like he he had against Aaron Rodgers in Super Bowl 45 or even the Cardinals game, but uh, the Steelers actually won that one. So removing the Steelers from this, Packers-Chiefs, I think, is the first one that comes to mind. Like I said, we still haven't seen Rodgers-Mahomes, so that would be a fun one to see these two go head-to-head you know, in the biggest game of all. And then Cowboys is one where, yeah, like you said, Brian, like throw them against pretty much anybody. Cowboys-Chiefs, in theory, we'd get a better one out of that. So... That's certainly up there. Um, I don't think you guys have thrown out any that I haven't thought of. Uh, you know, I guess we can find a way to get I, I the Niners in there, but I, you know, I don't want to see Niners Chiefs <laughs> again. I don't know who would be the the most exciting opponent for the Niners. Niners Titans. Like they played a nice Thursday night game. Get a nice twenty to seventeen final in there. <laughs> Tanner Hill Raiders. versus Jimmy G. Get oh, Niners Raiders. Raiders yeah, the old Bay Area area bowl. Yeah, yeah. And the Cowboys would be interesting if uh, the Super Bowl does end up getting relocated to Dallas somehow. Uh, you know, we talk about the Rams possibly hosting it, but that would be something if uh, <laughs> not only do the Cowboys get a last second Super Bowl like hosting appearance, but then also get to play in the game. All right, we so. got to make a deal. If the Raiders make it to the Super Bowl, we all have to go to Vegas for it. Uh, yeah, I have to go to a wedding the night before, but you know, maybe I can try to swing that. It's a, I'm in, <laughs> not in Las Vegas. <laughs> now, I mean, the Raiders made the playoffs, and uh, you know, they they helped the Steelers get in. So if they go to the Super Bowl, you know, thank you, they're good for them. So, 
All right, let's uh, get ready to wrap up the NFL talk with our wild card weekend picks. So let's kind of go in line. We'll start with the Saturday 430 matchup. Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Las Vegas Raiders. BMAC, who you got? I got the Raiders. Just considering yeah. they are um, probably jacked up from their last win, you know, they're fired up. And the Bengals are unproven, as are the Raiders. But I just think that the Raiders have more momentum. Are we doing deficits or are we just picking the team? No, you just pick the team. Just pick the team, yeah. Definitely yeah. going with the Bengals. I think that game versus the Chargers was basically their Super Bowl for them. And it's it's a credit to them for making the playoffs. If you told me Cincinnati and Las Vegas would be meeting the playoffs this year, the two teams who I thought would finish last in their divisions, I thought you'd be on crack. But here we are. <laughs> with a Especially considering when the season started, the Raiders had so many giant problems, like with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs. Oh, yeah. like, they've just had it a is. crazy year, but it's somehow remarkable they're here. They so for them to overcame all that. For them to make it to the playoffs is it's I don't basically a miracle for them for them to yeah. make it with all the issues that they've had is is pretty uh, remarkable but I think it finally ends for the Raiders uh Saturday and I'm gonna go with Cincinnati I think their offense is just way too good for the Raiders to handle and they met each other in the regular season earlier in the year at Las Vegas and Cincinnati handled them pretty well and I think it'll be a similar situation I think it'll be a closer game than it was in the regular season but I expect Cincinnati to still win. Yeah, so underrated team under a lot of pressure. The Cincinnati Bengals haven't won a playoff game since, what, 1990, 91? Yeah. Um, you know, my, my heart says the Raiders, but my head says the Bengals. They finally get it done here just, you know, because, like, I want the Raiders to, to ride this momentum, but I could totally see them falling flat in this one. Um, I think that it'll be really interesting to see how Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and company do in their first playoff game, but I guess Cincinnati, I'll, I'll give them the slight edge here. It's so funny how, considering when we did the AFC North before the season, we were saying the Bengals should just lose every game and get the number one pick because they're hopeless. I, I didn't we say are. that, but yeah. I mean, it, yes, we had a lot of terrible takes about the Bengals, <laughs> and of course they won the AFC North. Hey, you and I were right about the Browns finishing in third place, though. Heck yeah. So. <laughs> I took my L um, on the Browns a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you say they were going to make the Super Bowl or no, something? No, AFC Championship. No. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, and the Saturday night game, so be well. We'll let you get started with this one, Bills-Patriots. So I know I gave a bunch of reasons why I think the Patriots can win this game. I think, like I said, it will be a very close, low-scoring game, but I'm still going to go with the Bills because I'm definitely concerned enough about the Patriots' struggles, especially on defense. They're, they're, they've really struggled over this past month, and... In the past six games, they've allowed 984 rushing yards, which is 164 per game. That is, that's bad. <laughs> and yeah, not good. Yeah, that, that's not good. And I, I think the even though I, the weather will be a factor, it won't be again like a tornado or Hurricane Andrew out there. And I'm sure the Bills can throw more on offense. And another thing about the Patriots' defense is that Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore have sort of disappeared of late, and which is really not good because when those guys are effective, that helps out the rest of the defense make an impact rushing the quarterback or, or, or whatever. And because those guys have been limited or just have not performed to what they were early in the year, that's negatively impacted the rest of the defense, I think, at least. And 
yeah, and I'll admit, I I don't love their momentum right now going into the postseason. And Mac Jones, he's also really struggled this past month. And I, yeah, I, I think it will be, I still think it'll be a close game. I still think Belichick and the defense will make adjustments for Josh Allen. But I am a little concerned that it won't be enough to get a victory. But I do think it will be a very close game, though. But I'm still going to go with the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills as well for this one. I think they have a great team. They're at home, and they have a lot of recent playoff experience. The Patriots don't really have too much playoff experience. They have some guys, but they're missing their, um, like, Tom Brady, you know? <laughs> like, he wasn't there the last time they made the playoffs. He was there, I mean. So the Bills, they've been a few times with Josh Allen. They've played. It's a home game. I, I, I just got to go with the Bills for that. The coaching staff has playoff experience. The players, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Right. And I don't know. Belichick's a great coach. You can't count him out. I think it'll be a good game. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he can single-handedly coach them to beating the Bills because I think the Bills are very good. He did a good job with that the last time these teams played in Buffalo. But like Brian said, it's not going to be the same kind of winning conditions. Patriots lost three out of their last four. Bills won their last four games. And if this does become a running back fest, Devin Singletary has had 80 or more yards in three of the last four. I think the Bills have uh, the running game going for them. I think they're hot at, hot enough at the right time, although they could certainly be cooled down by five-degree weather. Uh, I also think the Bills win it in somewhat of a close one. But... Um, you know, this is a game that I could see going a lot of different ways, and I know better than to count the Patriots out for any reason. Yeah, n- nothing about the Patriots is that anytime everyone jumps off the bandwagon and says, "Oh, it's over for them," they end up they end up proving people wrong, whether it's local or yeah. national media, and they end up, yeah, coming through with a win. And so, it would not surprise me at all if they do win this game. I I'm just I have to slightly lean with Buffalo though. I think they're just too talented and it won't be as windy as it was in that game in week 13. All right. So let's uh move into the Sunday slate now. One o'clock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Tampa and by double digits. Double digits. Yeah. I think uh, I I don't there's really not much else to say about this game, even though I think <laughs> I know the Bucks. Like I said earlier, I, I think at some point the issues of not having Godwin and AB and not being as great as they were last year, or at least in the postseason, I think at some point those injuries will catch up to them. But it won't be in this game. I think Tampa should win comfortably in this game. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Tampa as well, but I do think it will be closer than you think. Um, as long as Jalen Hurts can run around, um, get out of the pocket, like actually get some rushing yards. If he has a good game running the ball and they can keep possession of the ball, I think they can keep it close, respectable. Um, but I can't see them winning at all either. They're just not as good of a team. Yeah, I mean, I I've dismissed the Eagles so much this year. They are. As I, I said last week, they're a good, bad team. They beat up on bad teams, but they really struggle against actual playoff teams. They, it's 28-22 to 22 when they met in the regular season, but the Eagles scored late to make it closer than it looked. So I also think the Bucks win in this one by double digits. All right, the Nickelodeon game, the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. So last season, the Nickelodeon game was Bears-Saints, which was 
really a waste of a playoff game because the Bears had no chance in that game. <laughs> and so that's why I watched it on Nickelodeon, that game. Oh, yeah, it was but great on Nickelodeon. Be, if the Nickel- Nickelodeon game is going to be on, as much as I love Nickelodeon, the fact that it's going to be on the San Fran Dallas game, I'm not going to watch it. That game on Nickelodeon. This is the best game of Wildcard Weekend. This is going to be by far the most entertaining game. I'm st- I'm going to go with Dallas though, even though San Fran certainly could win this game. I think it's a popular upset pick, but I'm going to go with Dallas because I I just think they're more talented across the board. Not way more talented, but I think for the most part they're mo- more talented across the board on both sides of the ball. And and yeah. That- I, I do think it'll be a super entertaining game, super close game, down to the wire. But I'm slightly going to read with, with uh, Dallas. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas, too, for pretty much the same reasons. Um, Dak, I think he is a gamer when it comes to the playoffs, and I think he's going to do well. And I don't know, the 49ers, just, they haven't impressed me this year. Like, they've impressed some other people. But, yeah, i got to go with Dallas. I think there are a lot of games that are 50-50, could go either way. And... You know, it's it's a game where I want to believe that the Cowboys are going to come out, look strong, and get this victory. But I've I've seen plenty of times them fall flat in this type of scenario, like they did a couple weeks ago against a struggling Arizona Cardinals team. I, like I said, I think the 49ers are playing well lately. They have some, they have a lot of good things going for them. So just to say that we're not going Dallas across the board, I'll I'll go with San Francisco here. But this is a game that um you know I, I part of me feels like the Cowboys should win this game, which is why I'm thinking that they're going to find a way to lose and San Francisco is going to advance. And the Sunday night game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chiefs are like 35-point favorites or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even Big Ben said, I think we're like 20-point underdogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, if Pittsburgh wins this game, uh, that'll be the – I'll lose it. <laughs> but it'll be an absolute miracle. It'll be if, a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to definitely go with Kansas City. Uh, no question about it. Yeah, as I am not big on the Chiefs at all this year, actually, but the Steelers stink. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> let, let, they're, so they're last, not even a good bad team. They're a bad team. <laughs> last last year, when it was around this time uh, last season, when the Steelers were in the playoffs versus the Browns, or even in, even before that, Brian just talked about how much the Steelers stink. He was never convinced they were any good, even though when they were like what eleven and zero. They were eleven and zero, and yeah, I was like, "This and, team and Corey, stinks." Corey, rightfully so, being a Steelers fan, was definitely high on them, and I was in the middle. But this year, oh, I'm like Brian. They suck. Yeah, they they're awful. a bad, bad team. I I yeah. can't. I hate that they're in the playoffs. No offense, Corey, yep. but they're, they're not. They're not good. No. So I I love that the Steelers made the playoffs, obviously, but I I have been frustrated with this team. Throughout the season, I gave up on them so many times after starting one and three, after you know tying the Lions and then just getting blown out by the Bengals and then even losing to the Vikings and the Chiefs a few weeks ago. It's thirty six to ten, and these teams just met an Arrowhead. So the fact that the Steelers are in the playoffs to me is a accomplishment enough. I mean, Big Ben's even said that we don't even think we're going to win this game. So unless 
like in terms of what needs to happen like i know brian you mentioned the whole covid thing like kansas city probably needs to lose a bunch of guys just randomly last minute somehow and the sealers just basically need to leave matt canada in pittsburgh say look big ben just gonna drop plays in the dirt just throw the ball around we'll see what happens like i i just don't really see a ton of scenarios where the steelers can actually win this game and i feel like best case scenario is covering the spread so i don't think it's gonna be as bad as that 36 to 10 game in kansas city i think the steelers will show a little more fight and respect just because they kind of acknowledge that we have nothing to lose in this one it's probably big ben's last game uh you know as long as he doesn't do anything too terrible to hurt this team he should have some good moments but ultimately yeah the chiefs are gonna win this game i'm not even gonna try to talk myself into this series winning this I t- Mahomes would need to play like weeks one through six or whatever he was where he's just throwing picks for no reason he was just chucking the ball up there yeah, like just... he would need to go back to that guy and the Steelers <laughs> would need to play like perfectly no look interceptions to, like, have a yeah. chance like if Mahomes plays that bad like it might be a good game but as, even if Nick he plays Wright that bad is I... big Kansas City uh guy he's big Chiefs fan he's like oh this is even better than a buy it's just like a walk through like a little tune up kind of get shake off some rust <laughs> if the Chiefs actually go in with that mindset then yeah they could potentially hurt themselves enough that the Steelers can somehow sneak away with a win like they've done a lot but I don't think the Chiefs are going to have that mindset I think they're going to take this game seriously and I you know I just hope that it's not too much of an embarrassment like it was a few weeks ago Tyreek Hill's uh heels also one thing to look at since week 18 he barely even played in that Broncos game because he hurt his heel in pregame warm-ups and so that, that's one minor thing to look at uh, but she didn't have Travis Kelsey, again? and that didn't really stop them. Yeah, you know, they. <laughs> I think uh, Miko Hardman had an awesome game in that one, and the Chiefs are able to run the ball with Der- Terrence Gore even after Clyde Edwards-Helaire got hurt. So when it's not a Patriots game, I typically just root for a close, entertaining game. But when it comes to this matchup, I would just be annoyed if it's even close uh, with the Steel- <laughs> with the Steelers. Like I'm because if it's if it's close at all, if it, let's say it ends up in a one possession game, I'm sure. We'll get. I'll get texts from Tyler with excuses on why the Stewards should have won, and does that all the time. I know the, he's a big excuse guy. I know most of the audience just has no idea what we're talking about, but uh, that that happened. he's got an excuse for everything. Yeah, so I'll be annoyed. I'm if, for a close game, I'll be happy. I'll be into it. No, like, I, I, I mean, I, I want the Steelers to win. I really do. But no, um, I don't. I don't, even I want don't to win. see it. Yeah, and I get it. Where it's like, all. part of me is also like, well, I mean, if the Steelers lose, they lost to the Chiefs. Not only are they the best team. Uh, in the AFC, but like they're the they're a big threat to knock out teams that I don't want to win the Super Bowl. So it's like I can't even be upset if they lose. And the the one thing I'm like just seeing a lot of annoying Chiefs fans on Twitter, and I just keep telling myself. I'm not going to let someone with like a, a logo or an athlete profile pick ruin my opinion of a, a player or a team. Like I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> like they can not going to let some like 17 year old with a Patrick Mahomes <laughs> profile on Twitter, like make me feel any differently than my I have. My Twitter picture is Bubba leaders. Franks. The, <laughs> the, the one thing I would like about Kansas city losing is that I wouldn't have to watch Jackson Mahomes TikTok dance anymore at games. I love Jackson Mahomes. I think he's great <laughs> comedy. I, I love that guy. You just look at him. Biggest he's just, loser. Of how can you possibly be that cringy? Like in B, I don't know if he's serious or if he just doesn't care. But like, I don't know how he exists. Like, it's just hard to watch. And I love. I it. don't get how he's as popular as he is. Because, because everybody who sees him is like, "How does this exist? Like, how are you an actual human being?" <laughs> 
Yeah, I see some of his TikToks. I'm like, he's not even good at dancing. Like, what? <laughs> no, he does the same dance like seven times. Uh, <laughs> but it's funny every time because everyone's yeah. like, oh my God, I hate this guy. Yeah. All right, last game, Cardinals, Rams, Monday Night Football. Who you guys got? Yeah, I have I have no upsets in the wild card round, which I'm sure won't be the case. I'm sure there'll be a game or two where, that we won't see coming and there'll be some crazy upset. But yeah, I'm going with no upsets, so I'm going to go with the Rams. I think their struggles are real, uh, especially of late with Matthew Stafford, but I've never been a big believer in the Cardinals. I know they had a hot start to the season where they were I think they were 7-0 and until they lost to Green Bay uh, on, at home at the end of that game. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. 8. But eight no. Was it 8-0? Okay. Well, no, wait, really? it might have been week 8. Okay, so they were 7-0. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were 7-0 because I think the Packers won to get the 7-1. Let's see. Yeah, week 8, so they were 7-0. Yeah, Yeah. so whatever the record was, I, I still have never been a huge believer in the Cardinals, even though they proved to be a playoff team and all that. I, 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 I'm, I'm not a huge fan, and they're – uh, ceiling and I think the Rams are still good enough to make it to at least a division round maybe further if they can turn things around but I don't know about that but for this matchup I definitely will take the Rams I'm gonna go with the Cardinals for pretty much the same reasons Brian went for the Rams I think all of that stuff about the Rams I don't think the Rams are very good at all really I was saying from the start when they had that hot start and they were you know, the power rankings, they were number one for like a few weeks. And I was like, this they're frauds. They just have a bunch of names. They have big names. So everybody thinks that they're good, right? Because I know like mm-hmm. 10 people oh, yeah, on the Rams. Oh, yeah, you know all the players. I so. know all the players on the Rams, right? So I think that they're good. But no, they're not good. Yeah, the- they're not a good team. And Kyler Murray can run around enough. And they beat the Rams the last time they played, right? So they Pretty won sure. in LA in Week Four, but the Rams won. Oh, the Rams won the second time. Which is no, but I, I, well, I just think Kyler Murray running around. I don't think that the Rams are going to be able to stop him. I don't think that Stafford's going to do enough to make them win. I do see your case in terms of the names, where guys like Odell, Von Miller, they're names, but how good are they? Those guys still, they're probably not nearly as good as they used to be, and I, I, I still think the Rams have enough. Firepower on offense, especially Cup, and I know Robert Woods is definitely a big loss, and at some right. point that will catch up to them, and it kind of already has, even though they have Odell. I think their ceiling is capped, but I think for this game specifically, I still like the Rams over the Cardinals. Yeah, the Rams are my preseason Super Bowl pick. I really bought into the Matthew Stafford trade, and I think that for a long time this season. They just rode off the hype of their win over the Bucks in week three because they were beating up on a lot of terrible teams. And then they lose uh, a lot of games in prime time, like to the Titans and the Niners. And uh, they've definitely come down to earth. But I, I like you, Brian, I'm going to ride them to win this game over Arizona. But my expectations are way down for them compared to where they were a few months ago. And uh, this is another game where like I can see them totally coming out and looking terrible like they did when they played in week four. So... All right, lastly, let's go with our Super Bowl picks. And Brian McPhee, you can get us started. So I'm going to go with the Packers over the Bills. Um, I think the Bills are the best team from the AFC. I think the Packers are clearly the best team from the NFC. And I think the Packers are just flat out the best team in the league. I think um, their defense will do enough to get them there. 
And obviously their offense is the consistent factor. You just need, oh, their special teams, actually, it needs to not blow it too because their special teams is terrible. Did you guys see the Bill, the Packers versus Bears game by any chance? The Sunday night game? Uh, yes, or... the Sunday night game. I, no, oh, man. I kept that, up with some of it. was just I know absolutely late. the worst special teams performance yeah. I've ever seen. So as long as there's the special teams. The Bears recovered an onside kick like late in that one, right? There was multiple problems, but as long as yeah, the Packers special sure teams more. doesn't mess up like in giant ways and the defense plays at least decent, the Packers have to be the best team, in my opinion. Yeah, biggest set is their own selves. Yeah. All right, so in the AFC, I'm going to include the opponent uh, that of that game as well. I'm going to say it's going to be Chiefs over the Bengals. And then in the NFC, I like the Packers over the Cowboys. And so even though I made the joke about State Farm Bowl, I actually think it will be State Farm Bowl. And there'll be, I'm sure there'll be commercials during the, the Super Bowl as well involving State Farm and Mahomes and Rodgers. And so I think that will be the Super Bowl matchup. And I think finally the Rodgers and Packers finally uh Finally, get over the hump of the NFC Championship game, and and win a second Super Bowl in Rodgers' tenure. And if this, if they don't make it to the Super Bowl this year, I mean, it'd be it. They're done. <laughs> then they're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's definitely a lot of pressure on them. But I also believe that Green Bay has the least amount of issues entering this postseason compared to uh, other NFC teams. And I think so. Brian is is Alexander. He he's still on the COVID list, or is he still on IR? Jair, Jair, Jair Alexander, yeah. Was he, he ever off the, IR? He, con- I he came. That, I think he came off. Yeah, he, he was came on, off a while ago. He came I didn't off IR, but he, he, he was on the COVID, he was on the COVID list. list for a bit. And so yeah. he's still a question mark if he's going to play. Yeah. I mean, Bakhtiari played a little bit. Um, the left tackle. Okay, he, he played a little bit against the Lions. Okay. Like that's why Rogers said, "I want to play Week 17," is because he said specifically, "I want to see how the offensive line is." So I think like in the first half, like he was just doing some funky things just to see where their best, um, what their best five up front well, was. Well, the... then Zadarius Smith is looking like he's going to come back. Yeah, I saw um, he was activated off IR. Yep, and Jair was activated a long time ago, but that was only because they had to at that specific time. Okay. Um, he's more of a question mark in my um, opinion. The only reason I bring that up is because I'm trying to look for reasons to not like Green Bay, and one is because of recent playoff history, losing four of the last seven NFC Championship games. That's definitely a, a big thing, but the only other reason to, I guess, be down on them is because of certain star players being out like Jair Alexander and Bakhtiari and Zadarius Smith. Yeah, but they've and, been out all year. Yeah, but that's all what year. that's another thing is that they've been out but they've act, they, sure they're a one Alexander seed. Alexander and, and Smith got hurt in like week four and five. Like roughly I just think, I just, yeah, yeah, I just think having those guys before. back will just make it even better for them, of course. Yeah. Obviously. And so if they get any of those guys back that helps their case even more on making the Super Bowl and so I think it'll be yeah Packers Chiefs and I think Rodgers will finally get another Super Bowl but and, but like uh, Kevin but, King won't be on the field as much yeah. with Douglas <laughs> yeah. and if Alexander comes back is for sure Douglas that he wasn't good enough for the Raiders the Texans or the Cardinals but somehow he's like almost a pro bowler yeah. for the Packers oh, he's in great for the Packers <laughs> definitely a, a diamond in the rough with him 
So I I'm also going to the Packers over the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You know, you guys kind of covered it with the the Packers. Uh, you know, in the preseason, I picked the Chiefs over the Titans in the AFC Championship game. So I'm still still going to go with the Titans. Still think they can win one game, but ultimately, I think Mahomes gets that one. But when they meet up, I, I think uh, Rodgers is going to pull it out. But I think it'll be a fun Super Bowl. If it's Chiefs-Packers, I'll just look forward to it. I don't know yet who I'll root for in that one. Um, but it would be, you know, I, I think it, I, I'm trying to talk myself into Rodgers just staying with Green Bay and the Steelers going with a different approach at the quarterback position. So I think the, the easiest way to make sure that happens is if the, you know, Rodgers has that success with the Packers this year. So, Do you want to see the Steelers rebuild or... Uh, kinda. I don't know. I just I because Rogers. I guess I need to. There's a lot of things exactly, and I don't think that the Steelers are quite as win now. And I think more of it is that I don't think that that's the scenario that makes the most sense for him. So I don't want him to leave the Packers and go somewhere else. If he leaves the Packers, I want him to go to the Steelers. Is basically what it comes down to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I don't want him going to Cleveland. (laughs) So, yeah. All right. Uh, So of course, NFL playoffs are the big headline for later this weekend, but as some teams get ready to continue their season, more have their season end. And of course, at the end of the regular season means teams are firing head coaches. So we already had the Las Vegas Raiders and Jacksonville Jaguars part ways with their head coaches during the season. Five more teams fired coaches since Monday. Most of them not Huge surprises, Broncos with Vic Fangio, Bears with Matt Nagy, finally, along with Ryan Pace, and all the Vikings, maybe some questions over whether uh, Mike Zimmer would go. I think a lot of people saw the writing on the wall with that one. And then the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, which I think that was the one that had the most surprise, especially in the context that, oh, the Giants kept Joe Judge, who, of course, they ended up firing him the next day anyway. So I guess let's talk about these. Um, any comments to add about Fangio? Or even the the Bears and the Vikings, like Brian, as a Packers fan, you know, how do you feel about two teams firing their head coaches and trying to start over? Uh, as far as the Bears and the Packers go, I mean, Nagy, I was very upset to hear that he was fired, just considering <laughs> I wanted him to coach the Bears forever because he was an idiot. But um, it, it took was you a while not... to get on that. What I know, I was I was hyping the oh, firing yeah, yeah. Nagy. Yeah, like, I remember you liked him a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, no, but. That's definitely not surprising at all. Like it had to happen. I'm surprised it didn't happen midseason, honestly. But um, it finally happened, and Bears fans are very happy. Uh, Mike Zimmer, I was a little more surprised on, but I do understand it because the Vikings are like a think, good team. I think the Vikings like, are pretty you know? good. But and for they Zim- just I lose in the weirdest ways. Like they just <laughs> yeah. lose, and like uh, I don't. And they've they're always, always been like that. Yeah, that's they've always been like that, and I that just has to be partially mike zimmer's fault is probably not all his fault but like he's got to be part of that reason because they are a solid team with a solid roster but they just lose yeah i think think, it felt like it was time for a change yeah because of that they have a solid roster and i think mike zimmer overall was a solid coach but like you said the writing was kind of on the wall and yeah these last couple seasons they like you said brian they lose in the weirdest ways possible (laughs) yeah and like it's just like they're good but they're but they lose. It's like uh-huh. the Lions one was sure. the Lions one was the worst of all of them because oh yeah, they lose the Lions. But they also it was also a blown coverage or 
Yeah, in, at the in the I end mean, zone that game. The Vikings were they had a seven point lead in all of their games up to like week twelve or thirteen or something, and they they were under five hundred. Like that's incredible. Like how are you winning by at least a touchdown in every game and you lose that many of them? Yeah, and I, I think that has to go back to the head coach. So uh, it's not surprising to me at all that Mike Zimmer is gone. I think more of a surprise was maybe that they decided to fire their GM, Rick Spielman, as well. But they're they're going to – I don't know if they're going to totally start over. There are a lot of directions Minnesota can go, but it, it felt like they needed a, a change of leadership um, to guide them in that direction. So, all right, how about Brian Flores, though? Oh, yeah, that, that was the dumbest uh, firing of all of them. I mean, I, I, think, I think Brian Flores – deserved another year at least the last two seasons he's had winning records yes they haven't made the playoffs but last year they went 10 and 6 and then this year they went 9 and 8 and he's been Patriots and Belichick in the past three meetings so for for him to have winning records in each of the past two seasons with the rosters that he's had and the quarterback that he's had and I I I know Tua's not. I don't think Tua sucks. I, I I think he's made some improvements, but just the fact that Burrow and Herbert are so much better than him, that kind of hurts uh, Miami's chances of being successful or or having playoff chances or Super Bowl chances or whatever. And so, I don't know. I think for Brian Flores to have two winning seasons these past couple of years with the rosters that he's had and the quarterback that he's had, I think it. I think I don't. I can't believe they got fired. I think it's. I think for Miami, they have to have something up their sleeve. Whether that's Jim Harbaugh or whomever, or a quarterback like Watson, Rogers, Wilson, whatever, and they want a specific coach. Then Urban okay, Meyer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have to have something up their sleeve because if they just go out in the market and just hire some some other random offense or defensive assistant then what the hell are they doing? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird one. I mean, like, when you start 1-7, and seven, you're like, all right, this guy's got to go. But then when you finish, like, what are they? 9-8. and eight. Finish 8-1 eight after nine, that. Yeah, like, that's, that's like, a weird, like, what do you do with that? Like, I don't know. He, he just, he was okay with an probably below average roster, but I don't think he's anything special. Like, people yeah, are, like, I'll admit, people I, are saying that, like, I'll, he's, like, the greatest thing in the yeah, world and like he's like an okay like two he's like a okay to pretty good coach admit, you know yeah i'll admit that i probably overrated him but he's he's a solid coach i i just think it's kind of an absurd firing and if it weren't for joe judge getting fired yesterday the people would have people were losing their minds and people would have brought up the race factor like how could this guy get fired but this guy couldn't and I, I hate that race gets played into it, but when Brian Flores is a pretty solid head coach, gets fired, and Joe Judge at the time was not fired, and he uh, that, that at the time made no sense. But luckily, Joe Judge did end up getting fired yesterday. The QB yeah, sneak so, was the last. Yeah, straw third and for nine him. QB sneak. That that was probably what sealed it. <laughs> yeah, our, our original prompt here was going to be, um, you know, most surprising or disappointing firing or non-firing. And it's really going to be Dolphins firing Flores or the Giants not firing Joe Judge. And I was prepared to say the Giants not firing Joe Judge is worse. Um, so I think in terms of Flores, so he 
overachieved his first two seasons. You remember the whole tank for Tua team? The fact that the Dolphins got to 5-11, and 11, that was when everyone was buying into Flores. Like, there were people saying he should be a coach of the year for an 11-loss team. And then last season, going 10-6, and six, making that big leap, I think was, uh, you know, even more of a overachieving effort because I don't think a lot of people thought the Dolphins were ready to be a playoff contender and they were totally alive up until week 17. But this year, I think it's fair to say the Dolphins underachieved. Um, not even just if you were thinking that they were like a playoff contender because that they went nine and eight, but starting one and seven like they did, I don't think you can overlook that. They won eight games down the stretch, but they were beating up on bad teams. And when it comes down to it, the one win everyone is pointing to over the Ravens, they finished eight and nine. And yes, that was without Lamar Jackson. This is a different scenario, but they they beat the saints with Ian book. And then they, they beat the Patriots in the, the last game of the year. Uh, and that's one where you can say, well, the Patriots suck in Miami. So uh, all that being said, I don't think the Dolphins should have fired Brian Flores. I think a lot of it is just incompetent ownership. I mean, we are talking about sure. a franchise that the, they went to the Super Bowl one time in 17 years with Dan Marino, and they've been to the playoffs four times in the 21 years since then. So uh, I mean, this is a bad organization, and I get that Brian Flores was like the best coach there uh, in the past few years, so you want to keep him around, but I, I mean, I think that that's kind of an easy thing to look to. And then there are a lot of reports that came out, um, the Miami Herald in particular, basically saying that this was a power struggle between Ryan Flores and general manager Chris Greer and that there were some reports that maybe Flores was a little too Belichickian and when you're not Bill Belichick it's hard to get away with that I mean that was one of the the problems with Joe Judge and it sounds like that was an issue with Flores as well just maybe a little more under wraps more in-house so again like I don't know how much of that you can really buy into just from this one article but it sounded like Chris Greer was a yes man to owner Stephen Ross and Brian Flores wasn't and that's why the Dolphins parted ways with him and again that just comes down to incompetence of the organization Uh, all that being said you're gonna fire one of the two it should have been Greer. Yeah. Yeah. Based on performance, it should have been Greer. Based on who's more of the yes man, you know, the, the suck up to you, it's going to be Flores. And uh, that's why the Dolphins have had not a lot of success in the last few decades. Uh, but one interesting stat that I saw uh, just some random reply guy to Adam Schefter. So I'm going to list uh, a few coaches here Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Fisher. John Gruden, right? Jeff Fisher. Brad Childress, Kyle Shanahan. I feel like I might be missing one guy. Apologies to who that is. I want to say this. Oh, Ron Rivera. All of those guys have in common since 1993, which I believe is the first year that the NFL had free agency, kind of have the modern economic system. Since that time, those are the only coaches to miss the playoffs their first two season as head coach and still advance to a conference championship game at some point with that team. Oftentimes, coaches that make it to the conference championship game get there within those first couple of years. Uh, and if you look at those examples, a lot of them, it was just like a change of quarterback. Uh, you know, the, the Cowboys with Jimmy Johnson, they did a whole tank thing and were able to get there. But like, Raiders, they they bring in uh, Rich Gannon in free agency. He goes on to be a pro bowler. The Vikings traded for Brett Favre, and they go to the NFC Championship game. So basically, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, you got to give coaches time to to build something. Well, oftentimes that's that's not how it works. If you don't have success right away, you don't get to the playoffs right away, you're never going to have that success. And maybe part of that is teams giving up on coaches too early, but 
that's kind of what the stats show. Um, and of those guys who didn't get there to the playoffs in the first two years, Jeff Fisher is the only one who didn't get there in year three. The Titans let him stick around to year six oh before gosh. he finally got in. And that was, you know, 20 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was kind of an interesting stat to see. So, obviously, you know, teams could let guys around, and Brian Flores was probably set to get the Dolphins to the playoffs sooner rather than later. But, um, you know, it is it is kind of a win-now league, and I think that's kind of an argument to to teams firing some of these coaches early on when they're not seeing the success they want. Maybe that's more applicable to a guy like Joe Judge or Fick Vangio than to Brian Flores, who did have a couple winning seasons in there. But um, it's, that's just another thing, just to kind of play devil's advocate in terms of the Dolphins moving on from Flores now. And then for Vic Vangio, I don't think he was very great as a coach, so he probably deserved to get fired. But at the same time, he never had a quarterback. I kept kept saying that whenever when we were doing the preview for the West. It's like, yeah, Denver has a great roster, but if they don't have a quarterback that's any good, what's the point? Yeah, I know. I wanted to believe in Teddy Bridgewater, but you know, still not. I mean, he's a great defensive coordinator. I'm sure teams. Yeah, I'm be sure. I'm sure he can get there. a job as a defensive coordinator, but maybe back in Chicago. Yeah. And then, and then side topic next year, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then side topic, super random, but I can't believe Jeff Fisher had job for as long as he did. It's absurd. The greatest coach of Just, all time. Oh, yeah, finishing five hundred every year. He he had the one Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, but, if, if, yeah, it was it was incredible how long he lasted in Tennessee. I've said this. To I loved so much when the video came out of him like, "Well, guys, I uh, I just got fired." So. I, I've said I've said this to Corey in the past. If I could have three wishes, one of them would be to have the job security of Marvin Lewis or Jeff Fisher. <laughs> Just suck or see as Marvin medium. Lewis at least made the playoffs. Yeah, but he never won in the playoffs. He couldn't win. <laughs> I know, but Fisher couldn't even get that far. Made it to a Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I guess you're right. He did get to the Super Bowl. He, he I, was yeah, literally inches he had, away from winning. Yeah, you're right. No, he did get to the Super Bowl. I think like when I started watching, it was a lot more of missing the playoffs. But he did. He did have those um, playoff. Still, I guess, zero like Super Bowls with Air McNair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Eddie George. And Eddie George. Yeah. Talk about two studs. Yeah. First Madden cover. Yeah. Um, all right, so you know we have seven head coach openings now. What is the most desirable opening in your opinion? So I kind of just mentioned it uh, with Denver. I think Denver. I think they again, if they have a quarterback, I think they have a playoff caliber team. It's just that the quarterback is the most important position, and if you don't have one that's really that great, you're not going to go very far. Or you're not you're basically everything the Broncos did this year is basically what I thought would happen going seven and ten and playing pretty good football but eventually flaming out so I think the Denver job is one of the most attractive ones the other one that I kind of like but is more debatable it could be Brian and I let us get a chance oh, to answer all first. right <laughs> fine okay go ahead go ahead um I personally think the Vikings is is the most desirable because they're a team who could win. I think with the roster that they have now, um, I'm not I'm not certain that they go in the Super Bowl with the roster. But maybe if you put the right coach in there, you know they're a good team right now. So I thought that they would definitely be in the playoffs. So I was kind of surprised to see that they missed it uh, with all the guys that they have. And we'll see if that was Mike Zimmer's fault or if it's just the team. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's an obvious choice here. I think you can come up with cons for all of these jobs, but. 
I I do think that the Vikings make a lot of sense here. Um, not just that they have a roster that, in theory, is a playoff caliber one, but I think that there's a lot of different directions that a new GM and head coach can go with Kirk Cousins on his last year in his contract. You know, there's a possibility to kind of, you know, tear things apart a little and build a team in their own image, uh, or just maybe take this team and get them to the playoffs now. And I think that, uh, you know, that that's a good reason to be high on Minnesota. My one thing with Denver is like, well, yes, they feel like a playoff team that doesn't have a quarterback. John Elway's still there. There's some uncertainty in terms of the ownership. I don't know that I can trust them to actually get that quarterback um, that's going to turn them around. And I think that that's still going to be an issue for a head coach. Now, obviously, if you get that quarterback, then that ultimately becomes the best job. But not having that in place right now makes it a little bit of a trepidation and wanting to say them, uh, you know, when you're going to be hired before the quarterback gets put in place. I just mentioned them because so, there are a lot of rumors about them trying to get a, no, yeah, a better, oh, of course. A better and quarterback. I, Yes, and I, I think there are a ton of rumors, but I think there's also a lot of reasons to kind of question whether some of those top guys are even going to be available. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my reasoning for not wanting to buy into them yet. Is your other team the Vikings or someone else? It was someone else. Okay, you can go ahead and throw <laughs> them out there. So the other team that I think is potentially an attractive job, but it's also debatable. Uh, you, you guys might not agree with me, but I think the Bears could also be an attractive job given that no more Matt Nagy, no more Ryan Pace, and you have a potentially great quarterback in fields. I know he was kind of so-so this year in his rookie year, but I think if you could have a coach that can put him in a better position and than he did in his rookie year, then I think that is an attractive job with the quarterback that they have and some good pieces on their roster, as well as just the the history and the location of where that franchise is in the Chicago Bears, so... I think that one's a pretty yeah. attractive job. I know, like Brian said, Minnesota's a good team. They're better than the Bears, but I, I just think when you factor in location and history and all that, I think that make that makes the Bears' job uh, arguably better. I thought the about history the history of losing well. every year <laughs> since 1985. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, thought about well, the Bears as well. Ba- like, the Bears so this is actually a... a similar scenario as Justin Fields, <laughs> or, or sorry, not Justin Fields, as uh, Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy in. 2018 um when he came in and he was able to turn that team around right away after john fox but i think that their defense it's not as good like khalil max getting up there there are questions if he's going to be there uh akeem hicks is another one like you robert quinn's coming off a phenomenal season but he's also been around for a that's while that's why i say so it's debatable i think that's that yeah like, that's really have the, the quarterback the it's kind of like the opposite of the broncos where they well i know not that yeah. justin fields is great now or anything maybe he won't be theory, maybe he won't I mean, be but in theory you should be able okay, to build top around 11 pick yep. in the draft uh-huh maybe maybe he could be a great quarterback potentially maybe he won't be but you have yeah. you have that piece but kind of like the opposite of the broncos where it's okay you have a piece at quarterback but there are the best players like you said like mac he's getting up there and then keem hicks as well and, and other guys yeah mm-hmm. what about the worst least desirable job opening the bears <laughs> yeah see that's yeah. why i think it's debatable but <laughs> they're just right, like, yeah tell us why it's uh, terrible i don't know just go to go to the bears they just always stink there's something about the bear they just always lose they break their fans hearts all the time and they're just never get it right their quarterbacks always stink 
Um, I know I saw earlier this year that Rodgers was naming all of the Bears quarterbacks, and it seemed like he was talking for five minutes just listing names. Um, they just can't get a quarterback right, and I don't think that Justin Fields is the quarterback that they're going to get right. I think he's going to be out the door in a few years the same way Mitch Trubisky will be. Um, they just can't get anything right from the top down. Ownership not... is a big problem there. Oh, like yeah. The right. very top, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ted Phillips is still around. He's someone that I know Bears fans wanted to go in addition to Nagy and Pace. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's plenty of reasons that uh, Chicago can be at the bottom, which is why I didn't want to put them at the top. And when I but, said, about his- you know, again, like it could be a situation where you're like Nagy came in, they won 12 games, you won coach of the year. So maybe in the short term, you can get past some of that stuff. But yeah, when I, when I said history, yeah. I meant really like the, the market that they're the oldest franchise and ever. that. And yeah, yeah. The they're about to have a new stadium. That's- Finally get rid of Soldier Field. So, yeah, I just think that there's potential of, or upside for that job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so for sure, right. there is a yeah. lot of potential. Yeah, but who, be, who do you think be is lot, worse, could also be downside if Fields <laughs> uh-huh. isn't good. But uh, yeah, if I had to pick, this might sound absurd, but I'm going to pick Jacksonville. <laughs> I know they have Trevor Lawrence, uh, yeah. but it's just what, what Brian said with the Bears. Jacksonville sucks, no matter how, no matter what. <laughs> they, yeah. It's a terrible location. There's nothing to look Lawrence for. stinks. Yeah. And, and then Lawrence is the one thing to look forward to, but he wasn't very good. He's this horrible. He wasn't very good this past season at all. And yeah, I don't know how I, much of that is on um, Urban Meyer or on him or both. I just, I just yeah, we're just on Lawrence. Jacksonville yeah. just sucks. That's just the, that's really my analysis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. It is a literal clown show. The fans showed up dressed as clowns in Week 18. Yeah. Like that, I totally agree. Jacksonville is the least desirable. Last year, I was thinking they were the most because of Trevor Lawrence and all the cap space, and then they end up throwing out a three and fourteen team. I I still don't understand how the Jaguars in twenty seventeen were as close as they were to going to the Super Bowl because they this, should have gone to the Super Bowl. Yeah, this organization has just been a dumpster fire ever since then, and. They're keeping Trent Baalke as GM. I don't know how long he'll be around, but that's another thing. If he ends up going pretty quickly, then the new GM could decide he wants his own head coach, and that ultimately becomes a bad spot to be for this new guy. So, yeah, I think Jacksonville's the least desirable spot. Um, you know, maybe Byron Leftwich will want to go home where he was a quarterback for a lot of years, but I don't think that there are going to be too many guys who like look at Jacksonville as the number one spot unless they're really like, no, I'm going to make Trevor Lawrence a player that he should be. Yeah, that's like the one because that's the only it's the one semi desirable reason to go to Jacksonville. Other than that, it's, I don't know why you'd want to go there <laughs> unless we get a bunch of money. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer probably did and he lasted what 13 games so <laughs> that's incredible yeah i mean it's, yeah as long as you don't be urban meyer you should be able to stick around for a little while at least uh all right that'll do it for the nfl let's uh kind of pivot to college football and the national championship game so georgia beat alabama in the title game b wells you thrilled that uh the crimson tide didn't win again you bet <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess BMAC, how do you feel about Alabama just real quickly? Like do you I, I don't know like how big of a college football fan you are. Like I feel like at Kansas State you didn't really care a ton. Wow. What are you talking crap about my team? No, I'm talking crap about you where you like were more of a tailgate guy than a the actual football fan. 
<laughs> no, I, I mean, I love football. I went to all the games, but um, yeah, I, I just did not want to see Alabama win again just because they win every single year. But overall, I just don't like college football. I just think that it's boys playing a man's sport. They're just not good. It's not entertaining to me. Um, I actually was watching this game and it was 18 to 12 and I was super tired because I worked a lot and I turned it off with 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter and then I woke up you to like, missed, like oh the Georgia's part. the champion yeah. like I woke up like an hour and a half later and I was like oh cool they won I saw a score and I was like how the heck did they score three touchdowns in 10 uh, minutes when they didn't do anything all game so I was super bummed about that but I was glad to see that Alabama lost yeah Corey might disagree with this but I thought for three and a half almost three and a half quarters I thought it was a boring game i i yeah, I, very. I thought it was super boring but it was nine to six at halftime just yeah field just goal straight up fest, field goal so. fest and just great just great even especially with georgia georgia being the having the best defense in the country but yeah i, I kind of the same opinion as brian when it comes to college football where i don't i don't care for it and i think college basketball is way better way more entertaining especially when it comes to the tournament and then yeah i was just super thrilled that alabama lost i don't like whoever the opponent was, like I don't really have anything against Georgia. Like yeah, so good that they won. I think it's the first time in forty years it is for forty one years. Yeah, nineteen eighty was the last time. They yeah, won. so good for them and Kirby Smart. And yeah, I was just glad that, just glad that uh, Alabama lost. I don't care. Like I told this to Corey, I didn't tell this to Brian, but I don't care how many relatives I have that live in Alabama and went to the University of Alabama. I don't care. It's so annoying that they win or almost win every <laughs> single, every freaking year. <laughs> yeah, I really I wouldn't know. have cared if they won. I just let's not. Was like, I will uh, say, I, yeah, yeah. I will say, even though I say all that, at the same time, if they won, it's like. Oh, just oh, great. Like, Alabama won again. <laughs> Nothing's changed. No, and I get it. I think a lot of people are excited to see a new team win. Um, it was tough for me because I I didn't love the idea of Alabama winning again, but Georgia's South Carolina's biggest SEC rival. Uh, I hated Georgia before I hated Clemson, but the further I've been from like actually being in college, the less I've cared about Georgia I guess um like I I don't feel like I hate the Bulldogs anymore I don't know if that's blasphemous for me to say as a Gamecocks fan um so even though I wanted Alabama to win this game for that reason more just rooting against Georgia I I didn't really care and like I can I can find some happiness for some of those players and uh coaches involved but mostly it's for Stetson Bennett, which I think is a really cool story. Um, I think if you get over the fact, which I don't know if I'm the only one who thinks this, but Stetson Bennett the fourth sounds like a guy who should be like a national champion midfielder in lacrosse or like a rower and crew, not a quarterback. But I mean, the fact that he is a national champion quarterback is a crazy story because he was a walk on at Georgia and then he transferred to like a junior college. Then he came back to Georgia. He was just supposed to be a backup there. And he ended up uh, getting an opportunity to be the starting quarterback as uh, you know an injury replacement and never gave up the job. And for him to come out and fumble like in like a kind of like excruciating way when Alabama has this crazy recovery on the sideline. It was the flukiest uh, fumble. The guy yeah, who recovered like, it didn't even... Didn't even think he was recovering a fumble. He thought he was just picking up a ball yeah. and going to the sideline. And it was, it was wild that when play. he picked it up, his feet were barely in bounds. Yeah, just... Yeah, and he like caught it one-handed yeah. just nonchalantly. Uh, just a, Yeah, just a crazy play like that. It felt like, oh, this is it. This is where Georgia collapses. And then for him to go out and on the next drive just 
quickly, like in a couple minutes, drive him down and end up throwing a beautiful 40-yard touchdown pass. I think that uh, it, it's really cool for someone with like his backstory to um, you know, be a national champion like this, you know, grew up rooting for Georgia and uh, he's probably not going to have an NFL career. No. You know, maybe someone <laughs> signs him and gives him a shot in an off season, but he's uh, he's certainly going to have a nice life built for him in, in the uh, Athens area it, it uh, was, just after this one. It was a good fourth quarter performance by him. Definitely deserved to win uh, offensive player of the game. Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think they give out an offensive and a defensive MVP. Yeah. So. But uh, in terms of an NFL career, yeah, he he he's not great. <laughs> Two star recruit. It would be crazy for him to get that far. For, so for him saying, to what do you for him to accomplish what he accomplished with his skill set? That's a credit to him. But yeah, I yeah, don't see NFL sure. career. He looked like a homeless version of Daniel Jones out there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see him on Good Morning America? Oh yeah, the next day, dude. Was, people people kept saying he was hungover. No, he was not hungover. He was hammered. He's he like still drunk. Yeah, oh yeah. He looked like he's he was like still a, good, a couple hours of sleep. Like uh, he looked like a yeah, zombie. Yeah, they were asking like, questions. That's kind of like, cruel. They were yeah. asking questions like, "How are you able to overcome uh, everything that you've accomplished in your life?" Well, you know, you got to work hard, never give up <laughs> on yourself, <laughs> and yeah. it was it was yeah. kind of cruel. <laughs> um, yeah, this uh, you know, good for Georgia. Bam is a favorites again already. They got Bryce Young coming back, Will Anderson coming back, and. Uh, do you see Nick Saban's press conference after the game? Yeah, where he, where he, so he was next like, to uh, Bryce Young and was it, was yeah, it Will and Anderson? Will Anderson. Yeah and, yeah, and both are about to get up, and then he said, "Hold it, hold it. Let me say some nice things about these guys for a whole minute." And yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice moment for him. Good for him. I think it's I think it's great. I think that um I think one thing that makes it hard to really like hate Nick Saban, like you can hate the success of Alabama, uh, but I, I think like just the way that he approaches things and like it seems like he's very gracious in defeat because he's won so much that it's just like yeah, all right, part- this is just motivation. He for just next doesn't year. care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's going to the midfield meeting Kirby Smart and he's thinking and yeah, he's uh-huh. smiling and talking and he's probably yeah. thinking yeah, I lost, but I'll be back here next year. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, you kicked that. We'll see if you. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure you said that. He back. said you kicked he our did. butt in the fourth quarter. Yeah. 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 So I mean, I I think that Nick Saban, uh, like the way he kind of approaches things, like he's, I think he's fun in that he just like he doesn't deal with media super well but i think it's funny the way he's just like willing to attack people and just like if they say something ridiculous and uh i think he did a good job of handling the end of that one and just kind of showing that um uh, yeah he's still he's still on top he's still the the best coach in the game and you know that he's going to be back there next year in the playoffs because he's in the playoffs every single year and uh you know the fact that they're the favorites already just shows that everyone is uh totally believe in that they're like all right good for georgia they got this one but we'll see what happens next year has Alabama ever not been in the playoffs? They missed it in 2019. They were the five uh. seed that year. Yeah, they lost to Auburn, and then they they didn't play in the SC championship game. That was the year Joe Burrow and LSU were so good. Oh, and, okay, that that yeah. explains it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> that, that like, was they it. missed the playoff. Really? Like, oh wait, it was that year uh-huh. when LSU was way wicked good that year. Yeah, like, and so the last time Alabama and Georgia played, Bama was a four seed in 2017, and I I was like trying to remember how that played out. Um, if Bama went to the SEC championship game that year. I feel like they didn't, but they were able to kind of stumble into the four seed just with the way things happen, and they end up winning it all. So, 
But yeah, I mean, for Georgia, like, you know, losing that championship game like that and then losing the SC championship game when Jalen Hurts came off the bench for Tua, it's, it's you know, I, I'm sure that they're they're thrilled to finally get over the hump and get that win. So, all right. So with that, let's uh, wrap up the football talk and let's get to our top five. So we are going to do our favorite sitcoms of the 2000s which i initially suggested because over like the christmas season when i was at home with my parents like they would constantly have a ton of shows on um just kind of to pass the time and i was like ah i remember watching a lot of these shows back in the day like a lot of fun um occasionally there are times where i'll throw them on still um but then we also had bob saget pass away who he is most known for Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos, which are on in the 90s. But I think that, you know, we watched Full House in the 2000s on Nick at Night. Personally, for me, it was like a transition into more adult shows from kid shows. Like, I think that's a show that I think of as, you know, the first one that I was watching when I was like 9 or 10, just, you know, on Nickelodeon a little later at night. So it seems like a good way to kind of, you know, bring these in. So with that, let's count down our favorite sitcoms from the 2000s in this week's top five not two not three not four top five top five top five all right so bmac you're our guest so why don't you get started with your number five all right so my number five is something that i used to watch at brian's house all the time <laughs> with zoe 101 <laughs> i used to love that show i don't know what it was i thought it was cool you know you go to like the what were they high school or i don't even they yeah, might have even been middle school whatever it was i thought it was a cool was concept a like they were like california or wherever they were just hanging out it looked like a great time and you know it was fun it was fun to watch <laughs> watch it at brian's house until like 3 a.m oh yeah yeah. Definitely binge watched Zoe 101 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for yeah. my number five, I went with Friends, which I'm sure would be on Brian's top five least favorite sitcoms. But <laughs> I'll admit, I'm not afraid to admit that I did enjoy Friends. I haven't seen it in a while now. It was several, several years ago when I watched it from start to finish. But I did enjoy the, I did enjoy it. And I think it is one of the, highest rated ones but yeah looking back on it thinking about it yeah there were plenty of jokes and things about friends that were super corny like i'm not like definitely for sure corny at times but i think it was a good show about the six characters that are in the show i think yeah all six characters in the show had great personality traits and I, i i think it was something that was fun to it was fun to watch and use it as an escape so i I liked friends so i put that as number five friends was actually the main inspiration for this idea because it's always on tbs and that's like my parents would always have it on uh both thanksgiving and christmas and i think that friends went from being like the most overrated overhyped tv show to now like one of the most underrated because i feel like so many people hate on it and it's it's so hard for a show with a laugh track to stack oh, yeah. up against yeah. shows today that makes sense. but i i mean i still found myself laughing at friends yeah. and i don't know if it's just the the laugh track is contagious but i i think that there's enough um comedy in that one i thought about getting into my top five here uh, just narrowly missed the cut, but I mean, I don't think there should be any shame in putting it in your top five two thousand shows. It's it's iconic for a reason. Yeah, I, so the thing is, when, I think when, you should be very embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that when Brian or whomever else 
hates on it, I'm not gonna fight back. Like, oh, how could you say Friends of Magic? Yeah. I get. I oh get no, it. I mean, I like, totally, I totally get, get it. it. Yeah. Uh, but uh-huh. but I was a fan of it, and so I I, I thought it was. I enjoyed it enough to put it in my top five. I see the laugh track, but I think that makes the show much worse because they like, it's like inviting you to laugh, but I'm like, but wait, that wasn't funny. And they use it so much that I'm like, why am I even watching I think, this? Because none of these jokes are funny. I think a lot of, oh, yeah. I think a lot of shows do that. And yeah, Friends was obviously one of them. The worst was, did the that. worst. I don't think anyone do anymore. The worst, uh, personally, in my opinion, I'm glad it's not <laughs> any of your guys list but i thought big bang theory was the <laughs> worst the worst yeah. when it comes to the laugh track <laughs> yeah yeah i i did enjoy big bang theory for a little while but it got old very quickly for me well i had people who watched them like that show is just stupid and they'd be like oh you just don't understand comedy. the humor the humor and i'm like no i do understand it <laughs> and it's science it's just not funny like uh, i get it but it's not funny yeah um so my number five I, it, it was initially going to be friends but then when you guys started throwing like nickelodeon shows on i was like all right i gotta get at least one on my list and that's my number five here drake and josh a year ago when we did our top five nickelodeon shows is my number one i i don't think that i need to explain too much more i think it was a like, phenomenal kids to teenage show and this is another one that i think like was like a step below full house and that is definitely marketed for kids it didn't have a ton of adult content but it, it certainly was uh my favorite of like the the teenager shows on nickelodeon and disappointed it only lasted for three seasons because I, th- I thought it was such an awesome show really really funny guys so they got the laugh track right on that one yeah <laughs> yeah right they had a laugh track <laughs> no, that show has tons of good quotes tons of good moments that yep. you know it's just funny your turn brian Oh, all right. So my number four would be Ned's Declassified. Another school show, but it was funny because they were just crazy, you know, hanging out with the janitor, or, like cookies, just <laughs> oh, got something. Love, in his... yeah. love Gordy. <laughs> like they had like key characters that were just coconut head and backpack kid. Like they just weren't named. Like I think that stuff's funny. There's Ma- dumb things Martin, happening. Martin Corley, who just would top talk nonstop. <laughs> yeah he just would not stop talking like they just had so many characters were like we're gonna put a show or we're gonna put a character in the show who just doesn't shut up and like that's funny that's funny to me the, yeah honestly the only like somewhat normal characters were the three main characters with ned Mose <laughs> and cookie every other side character had just some like unique like weird thing about them or like the the basketball kid who was just yeah. spinning the basketball oh, with golden hair <laughs> <laughs> he had who these was, car- was, uh, he had yeah. these Carmelo signed shoes. Yep. <laughs> who was Ned's like crush? Like Susie? Susie Crabgrass. Susie Crabgrass. She was, Susie yeah. Crab- she she was, was pretty normal. normal. Right. Yeah. yeah. She was normal. Yeah. And then like the bully kid. What was that? Loomer. Loomer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. And yeah. his friends who just like didn't ever talk. Yeah. They were just kind of there. Yeah. No. yeah. Every every school should have a cool gender like Gordy though. That, right. That, that, yeah. I definitely love Gordy on that show. And honestly, there's probably a lot of cool janitors at schools, but real life middle schoolers just bully them, and they have no respect for that's, them. That's 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 also they mostly work at night, yeah. like not really. Yeah, I know. That's part of it. Yeah. One joke I loved um, in Ned's Declassified. There was one time where they were playing dodgeball, and Ned and Mosey were left on one side, and the bullies were left on another. 
And then all of a sudden, one of the bullies, I think it was Loomer, he says, oh, they only got two left on their team, and one of them's a girl. And then the other guy goes, yeah, and one, and the other one is Mosley. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, that's so funny. That's a great quote. <laughs> yeah, Brian and I both had uh, Ned's Classified in our top five Nick shows. No, I, so. I did not. You didn't? Yeah. So really? my wow. top five, so it would have been honorable mention, but I had... Yeah. SpongeBob, Drake, and Josh. Wait, don't um, say it. Make people go back and listen. It was January uh, sorry. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. All right. No, anyway, move on to your number four. Yeah. So my number, my number four. I went with everybody loves Raymond, and this is kind of a cop out, like with Friends, because we're doing 2000 sitcoms, and both of those shows started in the 90s. But everybody loves Raymond. I thought with uh, starring Ray Romano was hilarious and it also starred Brad Garrett playing the bro- his older brother Robert and also had uh Peter Boyle as Frank their dad and then it was, yeah I I I love the show and all the characters and my favorite episode was when the wives end up sending Frank Robert and Ray to go to therapy and then they go to therapy but the doctor was not there and Robert has all this cash, and Frank and Ray say, "Like, wait, you have all this cash, and we're we have, we have a free day to ourselves." And he's like, "Yeah, why?" And then all of a sudden, they go to the track, the horse track, and they end up bending on. Uh, they start looking at the horses to bet on, and one of them is named Marie's Mouth, which was Marie, Marie the Frank's wife, <laughs> Marie's Mouth, and he's like, "Oh." This is a sign from God. We have to bet on this horse, <laughs> uh, the money that they're going to use for therapy. And then the horse ended up winning. And then the wives end up getting this newspaper and they see that the doctor that they're supposed to see end up dying. <laughs> and so they're pretending to go to therapy, uh, but they're going to the track the entire time. But they find out that they were never going to therapy because <laughs> the doctor they were supposed yeah. to see <laughs> was in the newspaper uh, dying of a heart attack. <laughs> and then they show the wow. newspaper to the husbands like oh no <laughs> so they end up getting <laughs> caught <laughs> for their <Yeah>. mishap <laughs> yeah nice and I, I i definitely enjoyed that episode a lot and there are definitely other great episodes so bmac you've really never heard of everybody loves raymond yeah not only have not seen it i've literally never heard of it until like we started this episode that's, <laughs> like, that's crazy to me yeah never uh, heard of it yeah I... i'll have to check it out though i mean what episode was that, Brian? I'll have to go watch it. Horse track, doctor, <laughs> heart attack episode of Evelyn. I'll Google that. Was that was definitely one of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, so I, I I, was like never like the biggest Everybody Loves Raymond fan. I think I just never really gave it a whole lot of time. Uh, but I, I, I'd seen enough episodes. I know who Brad Garrett is. And there was a, a time a few years ago when I was in Las Vegas staying at MGM Grand. And Brad Garrett has a comedy club there. I don't know if you guys remember seeing that. But I remember like seeing a oh, Brad Garrett comedy club. Like what? The brother on Everybody Loves Raymond? Like the pufferfish on Finding Nemo? Like how, why does he still have a, a comedy club in Vegas like 20 years since he was <laughs> relevant? And uh, it was like kind of like a big joke on Friday. And then Saturday... We're leaving to go to dinner. We go up the escalator past his comedy club, and guess who's going down the escalator at the same time? 
Brad Garrett. Wow. <laughs> I was like, it's him. He's right there. I totally yeah. missed him. I didn't even realize it. I was on my phone and other people were like, Corey, did you see her just pass us? No. And I looked down and it's Brad Garrett, <laughs> like all the way down at the bottom. And I was like, I'm going up. It was too late to say something. I, it was like a missed opportunity. But I thought it was hilarious, like kind of making fun of him the whole time. And he had a chance to be the, the celebrity that we see in Las Vegas. So I only remember seeing a million David Copperfield things. Yeah, well, I mean, he basically owns MPM Grand. Like, he has his own theater there. Brad Garrett is a comedy club tucked in the corner, and David Copperfield's right in the middle of the casino. All right. Um, so my number four is Arrested Development. And this is the one show in my top five that I didn't watch at all in the 2000s when it originally aired. I actually didn't watch it for the first time until a couple months into the COVID-19 pandemic when my roommate wanted to throw it on. I was like, oh, I've heard of this. Like, I know some of it. And right away I was hooked. I thought it was hilarious. I flew through the whole thing. Um, it, so it says Jason Bateman, Michael Sarah, Will Arnett. It's like a stacked cast. Like there's so many funny characters in it. Um, oh, and uh, David Cross <laughs> playing uh, Tobias Funke. Like it, it's it's just such a great show. I loved it. I think um, when they did the Netflix reboot, like the last two seasons, I wasn't as big of a fan of. I started to lose a little bit of interest. But those first three seasons that initially aired on Fox in the 2000s, I thought they were so funny, did such a great job. And, um, you know, it would have been a show that I would have loved watching as a a kid, but I I think it was kind of good that I waited till I was an adult and it just gave me something fun to do early in the pandemic and a good way to pass my time and there wasn't much else to do. I actually tried to get into that show when the pandemic started, but I only watched the first couple episodes and I don't know. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't like fall in love with it immediately, but I definitely didn't think it was bad. It just, I don't know. I, my time went elsewhere. Yeah, I know. I really some, got into it. Yeah, I know some people who like, you know, they, they started to get into it and they liked it and they kind of fell out um, for various reasons. I, I think it, it was a little bit of a grind by the end with like the reboot, but I, I thought the first three seasons were really well done and, you know, maybe there were some parts that were a little over the top. Uh, maybe didn't some jokes didn't land as well in 2020 as they might have in 2006. But I thought it was a still a really really fun show. All right, so my number three was also Drake and Josh. Um, yeah, I don't know. That goes self-explanatory. I guess we already talked about it, but it's just such a legendary show. I think there's so many funny moments in there. Um, I just love how Drake and Josh are total opposites. One's a nerd, one's the coolest guy in school, but they always had great adventures together. And Megan was always like messing everything up for them. So, yeah, Jefferson Steelflex, Alvin Yakatori. Oh, <laughs> it was a great episode. The best. <laughs> yeah, there's tons of good episodes. Every every one of them. It was my. T- and that, yeah. that has other characters as well that I just think are funny. Like um. Like crazy, what was crazy, it? Crazy, crazy Steve? Steve? Yeah. Crazy yeah. Steve and then like... Uh, Helen. Who is the... Helen, Helen yeah. Like yeah. Th- those are funny, funny characters. There's always the same like uh, vibe to them. Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite episode is uh, with, with Crazy Steve when they try to have the concert in the downpour and he's trying to, to watch Dora. Um, <laughs> You're the one with the map. Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, the two nerds, Eric and Eric, were there. Yep. Craig and Eric, yeah. Craig and Eric. Craig yeah, and Eric. So they're not both Eric, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So for my number three, I went with Two and a Half Men. I've, it, 
I feel like we've definitely I've definitely mentioned two and a half men in some sort of way on a top five. I think uh oh actually I take it back. Yeah, me both me and Corey, we both mentioned Alan Harper in top five oh, doctors. Yeah, a, a doctor. <laughs> yeah, yep. even though Alan Harper is a chiropractor. <laughs> and yeah, I I love the the show, even though there's not too many plot lines where it's really kind of just the same thing every episode where Charlie's uh, getting all the hot chicks and and Alan is like having a t- terrible day with uh, everything that's going on in his life and his with uh-huh. his, paying alimony like with his for his ex-wife and the kids uh Jake and Jake was definitely hysterical I guess my one issue is that Jake was definitely much funnier as a younger kid than as a teenage older teenager because as th- by the time it got to the end when he's uh, when he gets older and Ashton Kutcher is on the show, it's not as funny. Like I'll admit, yeah, but it wasn't as it was as not as good anymore. with Ashton Kutcher and when Jake was basically like eighteen. But when Jake yeah. was seven, eight years old or whatever in the beginning of its show, it was Two and a Half Men. I definitely, I definitely loved him. It. it was definitely, definitely funny, and I enjoyed it. So yeah, I actually watched Two and a Half Men somewhat regularly the past few months. It's on Paramount. Uh, like the actual network, not Paramount Plus. And it started with my parents, like they threw it on one time when I was, uh, you know, home with them. And then I think it just always pops up as like a recommended thing on YouTube TV. And I'm like, well, all right, I'll just throw this on just to pass some time while I make dinner. And uh, I I think it's still funny. It's an entertaining show. I was considering putting this in my top five. Then I remembered a few more shows and it it got bumped off the list. But uh, I think it's, it's it belongs up there. I definitely like it. And, Charlie Sheen, all he had to do was be himself, really. If you oh, think yeah. about it, it didn't <laughs> yeah, have to do much. All he had to do like was just Charlie be... Sheen shirts. Like, yeah. this might as well be what those are. Exactly. So. And and Charlie, yeah. even though he, yeah, basically every episode he was getting all the hot chicks. He was also a great uncle for for uh, for Jake as well. For Jake, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I just remember watching that show when I was waiting to get a haircut. <laughs> it was always on in the waiting room. It's the only yeah. time I ever watched it. <laughs> <laughs> So my my family just randomly started watching all of the CBS comedy shows one time. It was just one night. I remember um I don't I don't know what we were doing, but we just had the TV on. It probably switched from like Jeopardy to Big Bang Theory or whatever happened and uh, yeah, we we just kept watching and it switched to How I Met Your Mother, then to Two and a Half Men and Rules of Engagement. And at that point, we were just like, all right, now we're watching all of these shows every week. And um, I kept up with most of them through high school. But the only show of those that I kept up with in college, the final season was How I Met Your Mother, which comes in as my number three. I was wrestling with where to place this. I had it all up and down my list. I thought right in the middle made the most sense. And How I Met Your Mother was easily my favorite of the like network TV sitcoms, um, you know, at, at least on the, the CBS block that I, I was watching while it was originally airing. And this is one where I think that the ending kind of plays a, a bigger role than it should have in terms of how a lot of people feel about it, because I, I think it was a really great show throughout. You know, it's tough for it to stack up, you know, a show with a laugh track to some of the shows that have come out since then. But I loved How I Met Your Mother. Big fan of Barney Simpson. Really, all the characters were great. Um, you know, you can debate about Ted Mosby. But also, I guess, you know, Bob Saget voiced the older Ted Mosby. So kind of a little callback to part of the reason why we're doing this top five. So I told you 
about this in the past, Corey, but for whatever reason, even though How I Met Your Mother and Friends is kind of basically the same type of show, for whatever reason, I, I, I feel like I need to give How I Met Your Mother more of a chance, but I'll admit, like, I've only... I watched a few episodes and I didn't care for it. I don't know why, even though it's basically kind of the same thing as Friends. Not exactly the same, but... Yeah, it's, it's kind of surprising. I feel like it'd be a show that you would Yeah, like. and so... Maybe I should give it another chance, but I'll admit, like the few episodes that I did watch, I didn't. I'll admit, I did not care for. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't a How I Met Your Mother fan either, but hmm. <laughs> not to crap, not number- not to crab on. No, I was, no, I, mean, I, was I just get saying, it. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> how I felt about it. It is what it is. Yeah. My number two is George Lopez. I loved that show growing up. I just thought it was funny. It was pretty. Pretty simple uh, plot line or whatever. I don't even know if there really was much of a story, if it was just George being sarcastic to everybody at all times. <laughs> but like either at, he was at his house or he was at work and there's really no in between. And he's literally just fighting with everybody all episode long, like being very sarcastic and everyone has to put up with George yeah. and Benny. Benny's crazy. No, so. Benny's wild. <laughs> yeah. So um, just I just thought of, that was funny. A ton of catchphrases, a ton of, uh, you know, like Spanglish Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just thought it was funny. Um, Carmen's yeah. always doing some crazy stuff. Right. You hear that at three in the morning when your TV would still be on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All my friends do the low riders. They're all bouncing up and down. And like, yeah, you're like, what the heck is going on low right now? Rider. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic show. This is another tough one off the list. And I was like, Ryan's going to put it high on his list. I can talk about it then. Um, I, I mean, if you're just talking Nick at Night shows, like George Lopez would be uh, close to, one. if not at the top for me. Yeah, I, so. I liked George Lopez, but I knew... I know Brian is a bigger fan of George Lopez than I love George so Lopez. I, yeah, I mean, we talk about other shows. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll use this time to talk about George Lopez. Uh, which honestly, I did not realize that George Lopez aired on ABC until like two years into watching it on Nickelodeon. I just assumed that it was just like a Nick Nick at Night show. I, I was just, you know just a dumb kid who didn't realize how a lot of those shows worked and that they just picked them up and you know. Oh, I only watched it on them. Nick at Night as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had never even heard of it before, which is kind of crazy. It was on for, what, five seasons on ABC? So, All right, so for my number two, we've already talked about it, and yeah, BMAC would come over to my house, and we would binge watch the heck out of Zoe 101. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is another show where I am not afraid to admit that I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed the show a lot. Uh, It's definitely... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Brian. I enjoyed it because it was like openly corny, like their corniness. Oh yeah, like they're like this is so stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or like Chase is just like trying to get Zoe, and oh, he's just like being entire, such a yeah, baby he, about it. Yeah, the entire time, literally from day one, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to go out with Zoe, but he always, like you said, he always chickened out of trying uh Right. Going out with her until the very end, and so, spoiler alert. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and Logan was the cool. Logan, rich Logan kid was the cool. Was he was like kind of, oblivious he, to everything. He was the cool guy, but he was kind of douchey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Given how rich he was, and then Michael, I, I loved Michael. Great, great, uh, side character, side. Great, yeah, best, Ma- best Michael pal. Michael was my favorite. De- yeah, yeah. He, Ma- Michael was a pal, and then yeah, yeah, and then Zoe, Lola, Quinn, all all good characters as well. But yeah, Michael is also. They make 
Oh yeah, go ahead. Wasn't Quinn like Quinn like extremely nerdy season yeah. one, and then they made her like more normal. And then and then Logan and Quinn at the end was the biggest plot twist ever. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> everyone was like, "Whoa!" Remember when? Remember when uh, Chase sent Zoe a text in that and like at Logan's house they were playing a game show or yeah, whatever. Yeah, oh, the game like, show. It was like, um, I gen- love is Zoe. it Gender <laughs> Defender or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> they had to go steal her phone yeah. and like, but but then the game started and they had to play the game yeah. and everyone thought that they were cheaters. Yeah, like, and then Logan's like, "No, it's smart mm-hmm. strategy." <laughs> yeah, Logan's like, "Yeah, we won Paris." <laughs> and Chase was like, "No, I love you, Zoe." Yeah. Like the big reveal. Oh, you can't forget Mark Del Figolo. Mark Del Figolo. Yeah, that, <laughs> Del now, that was the best character on the show. Yep. Yeah, he dated Quinn, right? Yeah, he dated Quinn, and uh, he had some interesting moments in the show. When he loses his eyebrows, and uh, oh yeah, guy. I forgot about that. Yeah, and then uh, did he ever smile on the show? I don't think or so. Raise his voice or uh, a very just... forced <laughs> smile. If he did, yeah. I loved when that's probably like real. He was probably just forced to be on the time. show. He was like, <laughs> "I hate my actual life, not my character yeah. life." <laughs> Re- remember when uh, Chase rats out Vince Blake for cheating on the test, and then all of a sudden yeah. he's playing basketball, and then the football team shows up, about to kick his ass, and all of a sudden Michael and Logan and Mark Del Figolo come to the rescue, and then he's like, "Now hold up, like let's not let's not get in a fight here." And then Mark Del Figolo is like. We're going to fight? I thought we were going to go see a movie. <laughs> <laughs> they lied to him. Yeah, they lied Poor to him. Kid. And then they get stuffed in the basketball hoop. <laughs> uh, Poor guy. Love Zoya 101. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So my number two is The Office, which, like, I, I feel like we can't do a show like best sitcoms of the 2000s without someone putting this on their list. I'm not the biggest Office fan in the world. I haven't seen every single episode. I haven't tried to watch it from start to finish like so many people have done multiple times. But I've always loved this show when I watch it. It's um, something that even just popping in and out to random episodes, like I totally get the, the plot line and stuff, but you don't even need to like fully understand everything to really enjoy it. I think that people who don't find it funny, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, whether or not you're like the biggest fan of the show, like it's almost like people want to like just make a point to just dislike something that everybody else loves because I mean, it's, it's one of the most popular shows for a reason. Um, yeah, yeah, when it comes to The Office for me, I think there have been episodes that I've watched that were extremely hilarious, and then, that, then there have been episodes that I really didn't care for, and I remember we did with uh, Top 5 of Cam, where we did, I think it was Top 5 Who mostly wears suits, suits yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and I, I put Michael Scott, because he's from The Office, and the reason I put him is because... I feel like the episodes that had, I, I know he was in a very high majority of the episodes, but I watched some of the episodes that did not yeah, when have he left the show. He left yeah. the show. I did not care for most, if maybe all of the episodes that didn't have him. And so that was one of the reasons why I put him. Yeah. And I didn't love the office, but there were, there have been some episodes I've watched the past where that were great, but then there have been episodes that I, did not care for so i'm kind of in the middle when it comes to the office oh 
I, I hate that. I don't understand. <laughs> how. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I just never thought it was funny at all. I watched that show just because uh, everybody was like, like Star Wars. I only watch Star Wars because people reference it, and I'm like, everybody who loves The Office is always like, oh, have you seen that episode of The Office? I'm like, no, <laughs> I haven't. And then I watched it, and I was like, this is literally the dumbest you thing I've ever it, seen. Like, with the intention I to watched not find it, it funny, and that you're just gonna hate on it. I watched it with an open mind because I I've never seen an episode until um until COVID happened and I was like at home and I was like I watched Tiger King and I was like well what else am I gonna watch and I was yeah. like I'll watch The Office because somebody I work with he would always be like oh you've seen that episode of The Office I'm like no I've never seen the show didn't know anything about it at all I knew who Michael Scott was but like I've seen like a clip on Twitter or something but I knew nothing else about it so I watched it with an open mind and I just thought it was the dumbest show I have ever seen. <laughs> and it got worse when Michael left, surprisingly. Yeah. Like, they're, they're, I just didn't the, the find epi- anything about it funny at all. I hated Jim. I hated uh, Dwight. I hated the new guy who took over for Michael. Like, ugh, that show stunk. I feel like it's <laughs> it's a personality trait to not like The Office. Like, some people think that it's, like, too much, like... I don't know. I think that show is worse than Friends, and I hate Friends. <laughs> I like the I like the open criticism. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I, yeah, I. When it comes to the office, yeah, I'm obviously in the middle. When it comes to the three of us, where some episodes yeah, I watch, I feel like I'm really in funny, the and some that I really didn't care office, for. So. Oh, Kevin's rolling around in his chili. Wow, wow, so funny. Again, you're just you're not watching it with an open mind, like. <laughs> I did. <laughs> did I watch it with an open mind, Corey? Sure, yeah. Okay. Like All right, so I just think my type of humor and this is not for everybody, but when people try very hard to be funny, it comes off as not natural to me and it's like not funny at all. I just like dumb humor that you're just like why am I watching this? this well, is I stupid. think it's a good transition like, into number I, like, one. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> My number one is Trailer Park Boys, which is the definition of this is the dumbest show I've ever seen. Like, uh, Ricky is just a complete idiot. Julian Bubbles also stupid. Julian's always got a plan to get him money at the start of a season. They're in jail. They get out of jail. They're like, all right, we're going to go straight, boys. We're going to retire. We're going to make some money. And they always end up breaking the law. At the end of this season, they're in jail again. And it's just always so stupid. Jim Leahy, love, best love character of all time. Yeah, Randy. Randy. <laughs> yeah, Randy just progressively <laughs> fatter every episode. Yeah, Ricky goes up to him when they find out that Randy and Leahy are gay, and he's like, "Why are you dressed like a bumblebee? And why are you dressed as Indianapolis Jones?" And I always <laughs> thought how Ricky said stupid things like that, and I always thought that he was funny yeah. for saying like oh, messing he's everything like, up. Yeah, jalapenos uh, chips. They're, oh, it got some jalapeno ones. Jalapeno. <laughs> what flavor is that? <laughs> <laughs> they go the J is silent Ricky he goes I know how to say it but I ordered jalapeno <laughs> uh. no I don't know that's just my type yeah. of humor I, I don't I'm not a comedy guy that's not really I don't watch comedy a lot uh, but I did love trailer park boys and I just like it when it's extremely stupid yeah, it's, like, it's an awesome only show type like, of I, humor that I like yeah, watching. I, I totally agree it, this is one show where like I tried to kind of watch it through I eventually kind of got tired of it but it, it's a hilarious show like i i totally 
think it's uh you know worth worth being up there and you know based on everything you said like i when we came up with this list i was like trailer park boys and me brian's number one george lopez number two and that's how it played out yeah that's exactly <laughs> what happened <laughs> yeah I've, I've never seen the show so i i don't even have an opinion on oh it. man joey loves it so yeah <laughs> All right, so for my number one, you've already heard it twice already, and it deserves to be number one. I would put Zoe 101 number one, but I can't because Drake and Josh deserves to be the number one on my list. Drake and Josh was the best. And like Corey said, it sucks that it only lasts three seasons because I feel like when it ended, it was in the prime of its comedy. Oh, for sure. Season, I was it season three or four, whatever. Well, yeah, season, season three, three, yeah. Whatever, whatever the last season was, it was the best. Like, like Brian said, with uh, Jefferson Steelflex and Alvin Yakatori get the fake ID cards, and then they end up in the back of the cop car with another guy stealing the cop car. And it's like, what are you guys, uh, what are you guys, uh, doing here? Uh, we're, uh, we're gonna go, uh, kidnap kidnap the governor right <laughs> kidnap the governor <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i love that show just because i also like i was like young i was like in elementary school and yeah. i was watching that I start- so I, I was like i thought it was like cool i was like i'm watching the older yeah, like, high right. school kids like be cool yeah. and like they would go on like crazy adventures and yeah like, i started oh, watching it we were middle school i, like I mean it, it was our middle school years that it aired so Really? No, no, I think it was earlier. Was it was earlier. It was, 2000, it was 2004. Four, 2005. So I was oh, eight I years old. So I was so like that makes third more grade. Sense. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah. So. So it was like elementary school mm-hmm. for us when when. Yeah, that sounds right. Because then I think our Carly like picked up after that, which would have been early middle school uh, when Miranda Cosgrove got but, her own show. But yeah, like Brian said, even though Drake and Josh, both of them are complete opposites. Like one's the the cool guy who's in a band, and the other's nerdy nerdy guy they both had awesome chemistry and a lot of great adventures and just a lot of great episodes and i would i would still enjoy it to this day even if i i haven't watched drake and josh in forever but i would i would still watch it yeah for sure i mean do you know why it ended no i don't it just randomly ended it was it wasn't like zoe 101 where uh jamie lynn spears zoe was jamie lynn spears is pregnant like oh we got to find a way to end the show now but uh but for Drake and Josh, I don't know why it ended. But oh, yeah, I know their friendship. Yeah, on a high note, outside of outside of that Christmas episode, yeah, which that they came years back like later. Two years later, so yeah, that I don't even I don't even want to count. Yeah, I don't know if outside they just wanted that, to do different things. You know, Josh Peck and Drake mm-hmm. Bell were older; they'd spent their whole you know acting career. Oh, on a Drake and Josh, go, Drake and Josh going to college. Oh, that would have been must watch yeah. TV. Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> They couldn't get over the foam yeah. finger difference yeah. when they, they found out that, that that was them at the baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm number one. <laughs> but Drake and Josh and college would have been awesome because they would, they would end up going to the same school and Drake would be on a full-time band scholarship and Josh with the straight A's would end up paying full full tuition or something something like that. Yeah. I, I could see something like that. It, it would have been great if they... I wish it lasted more than three seasons. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Like maybe it didn't have to do to college, but three seasons. I wish I wish there was more. But oh well, it was a great show. All right, so my number one. I'm a little afraid of uh, where this is gonna go with you guys, but uh, my my number one <laughs> is that '70s show. This is a show that I have watched all 200 episodes. I watched it 
basically every day it was on from three to four on you know one of those uh you know teenager channels and uh you know from sophomore junior high school like it was the show that i loved watching uh just so many fantastic characters and like a ton of comedy from different angles between like the dim-witted michael kelso the you know, off the wall type of stuff that Fez would kind of get into. And then, of course, you had Red Foreman with the, uh, you know, the overbearing parent of uh, Eric and really even all the, the kids on the show. I think that that 70s show was just hilarious. And I I thought this is, I mean, this is the kind of show that I kind of started watching before I was in high school and I had no idea what it was about uh, when it came out. Um, you know, I'd heard of it and then I finally started watching it when it started showing up on things like Nick at Night and whatever other channels like that. And I, I thought it was great. Um, it's a show that I've gone back and watched several times since then and still find it hilarious. And I think it's awesome how a lot of those actors and actresses with the exception of one who I'm not going to name have kind of taken off, uh, you know, since then, you know, Ashton Kutcher, we talked about taking over two and a half men. Topher Grace has done a lot of stuff. Uh, Mila Kunis has obviously become a huge star. So fantastic show. And I'm sure that one of you is going to find a way to say that it's terrible. <laughs> it's not going to be me I, this time. I right. actually kind of like that show. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was decent. I didn't get, fully into it i didn't watch all the episodes but i did watch it when it was on and i always thought it was a pretty good show it wasn't my favorite show but i mean i did i did enjoy it i did laugh at it so yeah i i haven't seen enough to even have an opinion so so i'm not gonna because <laughs> okay. i don't really have a strong take on it yeah i don't know it enough to put it in my top five but i definitely know that i liked it yeah i just never watched all of it yeah, I, I've uh, I've definitely had references uh, in top fives in the past. So, all right, that'll wrap up this episode. <laughs> definitely a lot of content in this one, a lot of football. But Ryan, we were very happy to get you back on uh, after a while. So, good luck to your Packers. You know, I don't know if uh, B Wells and I are necessarily rooting for them, but we certainly think that they're oh, going to go to the man. Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that, Corey. Uh, you know, now that I'm an owner of the Packers, I uh, have to make sure that my investment comes through. <laughs> Get their return on investment. <laughs> yeah. All right. So for our guest host, Brian McAfee, and regular co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.